Oh, I wish I could erase myself sometimes. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Sneaky Dragon, episode 620 on your AM dial. I'm Ian Boothby. Holy cats. I'm David Dedrick. And we're making a prank call right now (laughs) to Guy Who Lives on the Roof. Guy who lives on the roof? Yep, there's a guy who lives on the roof. Your roof. Yep. Okay. I'm just going to give him a call right now. Okay. Hello? Hi. How's the roof? What? <laughs> Fuck you. Okay. And now let's give it a call to the guy who lives on the roof. <laughs> I, You know what? I was a little misled. I thought that we would hear like both sides of the conversation. How? That know. technology doesn't exist. <laughs> it doesn't. Okay. Well, no. My, my mistake. I just thought. I assumed when you said you're going to call him, and it was a yeah. prank call, that we would get both sides of it. We'd hear how you're pranking him, and then. Well, why don't you call the guy who lives on your roof then? Sure, I'll call the guy who lives on my right, roof. All right, do it. All right, I'm going to call him right now. Let's get my phone out here. Let's see if you can do the funny uh, dial sound effects. I couldn't do. Boop 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 boop. Hello, is this Axel? F you. <laughs> he told me. Yeah, that does sound like the kind of thing he would do. Sorry for starting off with a swear, everybody. We're starting a little earlier than I expected. I just came home from a swim. Mm. My friend David was outside in the rain, uh, looking sad. <laughs> and I was true. like, oh, oh, geez. And so let, let him in. Uh, so was, I was uh, saying, I, I smell Scratching of, at the door. Making I smell of sense. chlorine. You said that's a smell you really like. Oh, I like. love the smell of chlorine. And, uh, uh, which brings us to a segment of the show we're going to do now called uh, Name Your Poison. <laughs> Name Your Poison. Uh, what's, a, what's something poison that you like? Yeah. And for me... Uh, I like the smell of gasoline, like a lot. Oh, like me too. I, I love I the smell love, of gasoline. I, sometimes mm. I'd be like out, just like, and there'd be like exhaust, and I'd be standing in it, and my grandfather would go, get out of there! It's poison. <laughs> I'm like, oh, I didn't know that. Why does it smell so good? Yeah, it smells really good. I love the smell of gasoline, too. I was a bit of a firebug as a child, mm-hmm. and that's probably why. It was part of it, other than the thrill of fire, was the smell of gasoline. And then my brother once convinced my younger brother that it would be a good idea for him to take to smell a lot of gasoline and the manga brother got very sick and had to go to the hospital because he had uh i guess whatever happens if you smell too much gasoline is that the one that now works on uh cars yes ah yeah he smelled so much, so much that gasoline. then he, he went on got to... the ability superpower wise <laughs> right. to work on cars he and got, understand cars he got bitten by a radioactive gas you gas. wonder if he can like now talk to or vehicles Jerry can. yeah yeah he kind of can Ah. He kind of can, like he really understands how things work in a in a very almost supernatural way. I have a Transformers question for you. I cannot answer it. But uh, let they, me hear it. The Autobots can, of course, change into cars. Mm-hmm. The evil ones change into jets. I was just wondering yeah. if um, the cars yeah. are ever like attracted to cars, like like actual vehicles, like a forbidden love. I don't. I think it would be a forbidden love. Why is that? Because they're inanimate object. I mean, I know they look, you know, it'd be like falling in love with like a sex doll. Okay. Like if you're a guy who like has a sex doll in your closet. Right. And you pull it out and you dress it up and then you have sex with it and then, you know, you take it to dinner and stuff like that. Right. I don't know if it's really forbidden, but you know, it's just kind of... You had sex first and then took it to dinner? 
Like well, afterwards? Yeah. I well, guess that's all right. I'm going to say thank you. There's no reason. Yeah, there's no reason not to. I don't think yeah. that either is better than the I mean, other. I was, yeah, I wasn't I really. Just, like... I just was planning a typical date, and I was thinking, like, you go to dinner first, but yeah. then. No, it's a fair point. I I would prefer to have sex in an empty stomach. Okay. You well, know? same with the doll, probably. <laughs> so that works out for them, right. because it's all constantly prefer, empty. She would also prefer that I not have a full stomach when I have sex with her. You're right. Okay. Yeah. At least that's how I feel about that she's saying. Because mm-hmm. I haven't actually heard her speak, I yeah. don't want people to think that I'm crazy because I have a doll that yeah, I have sex with. Yeah, just like Transformers, if they do uh, have uh, feelings of love for one another, and if so, you know, uh, just in robot form. Yeah. Or you know, does things ever happen when like one's a robot and one's a car? Well, they have to have some way of of procreating. I think they just build more. Yeah, that's a good point. What? Where do Transformers come from? Yeah, because they just can't build more. Like they have a conscience. Like a yeah, that's a little different than just building a car. You build a car, it doesn't suddenly start walking around talking. <laughs> They're different. They're beings. We had a guest on our show, uh, my friend Shane mm-hmm. uh, McCarthy, who uh, created a transformer called Drift, and uh, they would know this he is would, exactly the yeah. kind of thing they would know that I do not know. Even though I was a enjoyer of the show back in the day when it was on, I did like it. I really liked it, and then the movie blew my mind. Yeah. <laughs> I had a friend who really liked He-Man more, mm. and the only thing I liked about He-Man was uh, you could have fun off the top with the opening because every one of the characters is like punching you or zapping you, yeah. and you could react like you were being hit every time <laughs> and just like act like you're just walking into the room. Oh, hey, He-Man, what's going on? Oh, geez, what happened there? Hey, Man-at-Arms, man did you see? God, what was that about? And keep going along. I don't remember the names of any of the other characters. I don't remember the wizard's name. Comedy wizard. Oh, yeah, yeah. Me neither. But I know who you mean. He was yeah, basically I feel a like hat. Zork or uh, something. And then I don't remember the lady's name. And then there was another lady who was like a bird. It wasn't She-Ra. No, that's his uh, sister. That was his own thing. Yeah. I can't remember any of that. Because it was Lady at Arms. And I think that... Um, lady O'Legs. Lady O'Legs. The... Uh, she I didn't was like... the daughter, though, of Man at Arms. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I might have watched a little bit of that. It seems kind of familiar, but I I really bitterly resented those shows because I felt like they, they took better things off to put those shows on. Okay. So I didn't like them. They took off a of Gilligan's Island or something? No, like I think that? they took off Panorama in order to play... Uh... Oh, really? Yeah. That's a weird thing. It kind of replaced, it replaced the old, you know, the cartoon package with this new thing. It feels like... Toy-based Yeah, Panorama was something where they would... Play the old, old timey and not look through them very carefully. Um, uh, Warner Brothers cartoons, those are the best. Uh, then Terry Tunes, not very good. MGM, uh, sometimes good, yep. sometimes not. Could have, you just, well, yeah. I mean, I like Tom hey, and Jerry. Hey, I've got a Chuck Jones uh, Warner Brothers. <laughs> oh, right. This is going to be great. Yeah. Hey, I got a Chuck Jones MGM. Ooh. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. you you know if it Tex Avery's name came up you were like oh boy yeah here we are and they'd also play they would also play the Paramount Popeyes yeah the which later was ones. surreal as not, hell not the Fleischer ones but although yeah. they did play in my memory they did play uh, like Sinbad or one of those ones not all, not Alibaba one of them they played with like with the three dimensional there was only two right there was only two the, I think the yeah, Popeyes yeah. that were like the the yeah. kind of fake three D that was an amazing effect the uh, the layered, well, they had, they, they had, well, they had the planes, yeah, because they had them uh, over realist, like actually background, like real background, yeah, stunning, which is a really good idea. Um, that um, animate, well, I guess this is when you were ill in the hospital and Jason was filling in. He was talking about a, a show on Disney Plus called 
the Reluctant Dragon, which is a combination of a of a tour of the Disney Studios, uh, basically hosted by Robert Benchley, the humorist, and then it also has an actual cartoon of the Reluctant Dragon as sort of a an end to it, because you see them working on various things. In and Reluctant Dragon is a modern thing or an old timey thing? It's it was a cartoon at the time. Yeah, that was that was like new to that film. So what era was this? This would have been forty one or forty two. Oh, geez, okay, yeah, yeah super yeah. early on. So I sort of remember Reluctant Dragon, and and so yeah, like the 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 the, the gag is that like Robert Benchley has a, a great idea for a cartoon, and so he goes to Walt Disney Studios to pitch it, and then he ends up like you know getting this sort of uh, amusingly almost. Like dressed like a German, like a Nazi, like a like a like a like a Nazi youth who's supposed to lead, lead him around the Disney Studios, which, hmm. in light of some of Disney's apparent, I don't know for sure beliefs, yeah, uh, it seems kind of odd. But anyway, it wasn't intended that way, obviously. But it just in retrospect, you look at his uniform and you kind of go, "Why is he wearing a weird, <laughs> like you know, fascist uniform working for Disney?" Oh, it works for Disney. Uh, but um, yeah, and so but eventually uh, keeps escaping. And going off and doing his own little uh, self-guided tour through various apartments. And so there's like a fun scene where they're doing the sound effects for the train sequence in, in um, Dumbo. Mm-hmm. And so they're showing like how they, the woman has like this microphone that she holds to her throat to make the, the, the mechanical voice of the engine. You know, the I think oh, I can cool, cool. and stuff. And they show them all like, you know, banging pots and pans and making all, you know, how they made all the sounds for, for it. It's quite interesting. And they also show the multi-plane camera. That's what brought this into my head because we're thinking about talking about Sinbad and Alibaba. And you can see like the the multi-plane. They show you how it looked like. So you can see it like stacked yeah. with like dozens, I don't know, dozens, but several of these different layers of of uh, all of the moving. So they're all they're all they all were animated. So they would and then slide them in and then take a picture and then take them out and move and then put them back in. That's been an incredible amount of work to do like Fantasia with all the multi-plane. They oh did yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's pretty amazing. Yeah, Fleischer, but like I know that's Disney you're talking about. But yeah, Fleischer did it with the Popeyes. Mm-hmm. There's a couple of things that Fleischer did when you look at them and just go unmatched. Like it's just mm-hmm. like find me something that's prettier than that now. You just, yeah, you know, even yeah. With, with your blessed CGI. <laughs> Good luck. They were yes, they were super. I mean, and they're almost ahead of their time. Um, and maybe people are you know, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know why like. Gulliver's Travels wasn't more successful. I mean, it's a pretty popular story. They chose the two most popular parts of it, the Lilliput, yeah. Brobdenegg stories. And, uh, but yeah. Is it just that Rotoscope is a little creepy looking? It's a lot. But I mean, Snow White's Rotoscoped. Like, Snow White has, Snow White has Rotoscoped. To a degree, yeah, not, uh, not she, the dwarves. Like, the dwarves aren't, but, the, but Snow White is yeah. entirely Rotoscoped through that, through that cartoon. But is there anything in Gulliver, any, any characters that are cartoony that are, over the top and just straight out animated. Or I would anything? think the Lilliputians would have been. Would I have, been, I have never seen it myself. Yeah. Well, here's a question then: Why haven't you seen it? Because, like you, you know, it's uh, from a company that's done some amazing yeah, stuff. Yeah. I haven't seen it either. I know, it's just never been. I've available. seen clips. Yeah. And uh, the it's clips, probably on the YouTube. Clips make I guess. me go. I kind of get it. <laughs> like I don't know what what it would be offering me. Yeah. Because like, I know the story. So it's just like, what's new? Whereas, like, you know, Snow White, it's got some interesting visuals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's got a scary queen. I wonder if Lil- if Gulliver's Travels doesn't doesn't have the really scary sequence in it. Which Being is re- tied down by a bunch of little people? I don't think it's that scary in, yeah. the, in, the, in the movie, though. Because I, I have seen that scene as well. I don't, and I think that one of the great things about, like, early Disney is the really scary sequence that 
you know, freaks you out as a kid. Like as an adult, it's yeah, not as scary. Yeah, the queen going but... down to make the potion. Uh, well, there's just a how she of, looks. Is, there's a couple is of skeletons. <laughs> it's like she killed some dudes. Yeah, you're yeah. seeing and left the corpses there yeah, to so. be eaten by rats because that's the only way you're getting skeletonized yeah, yeah. down there. Uh, and or that's how they died. So yeah, you you put it into. But yeah, right. She's also quite uh, horrible yeah. looking. Uh, came up with a theory today that I uh, sent out on the online, and I'll tell it to you. Okay. Um, which is. I was thinking again, because I've always had a little bit of a beef with uh, the idea that she's got a formula that makes uh, you into a hag, and she uses it on herself yeah. so that she can take a second formula that'll poison <laughs> an apple. And you're like, well, if your big beef with Snow White is she's the fairest, yeah. just give her the hag formula. Mm. She's a hag now. You're the fairest. Everything's great. Yeah. And so I was thinking, I was thinking that makes no sense that I came up with something last night where I went, oh, wait, wait, wait. No, this is how you make that work. Which is, she's a hag. Yeah. Like, she's always a hag. The trick is, she's got a formula that turns her into a a, a lovely lady. And now you're the fairest in the land. She goes to the mirror. Who's the fairest in the land? Snow White. What? I've been the fairest (laughs) in the land, and I'm using magic. What's she using? Nothing. She just is. And this is like, this burns her. Yeah. So she takes a formula to turn her back to her old self and mm-hmm. then kills her. She can't give her a hag formula. There's no hag formula. All she's got is a make you even more beautiful formula. And she's not going to give her that. Yeah. So, so there you go. That's, that's possible. I was thinking when you were talking, I was going to say maybe the, the hag, uh, po- or the hag potion wouldn't work on Snow White because she's so pure at heart that it would have an effect on her. Whereas the queen, it is, it reveals. Her true ugliness of her person. Oh, see, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. She, that you could have like a formula that reveals more of what you really, really are. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that would be, yeah, that'd be one way to go. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. What happened? Sorry. What happened to Snow White's mom? It's one of those stories where the, one of the parents is, is perished. And so the, the father's remarried and that's who the queen is. Okay. Well, then here's what, how you're going to do that. I know they're remaking it and they're not going to do this. <laughs> Uh, then odds are, if Snow White is the fairest in the land, I'm going to guess that her mum was also the fairest in the sure, land. that's And was the first one that got the axe from, you <laughs> Maybe know, she's one of the skeletons. She might be, you know what? Could be. That's not the worst thing in the world. So she's, Well, it is pretty bad. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not the worst thing in the world as like a reveal. Yeah, okay, yeah, you yeah. You know, yeah. so you get that. And that also would be a good thing for the uh, hunter, that mm. she goes, hey, go out and uh, cut out Snow White's heart and put it in a box. Mm. Okay. And, and he flips out about that when he gets out and can't do it. And it's like, it would be even better if he'd done it once before mm. with the mum. Yeah. And it was just like, no, I killed your mom. I'm not going to be able to kill her. <laughs> There's only so much I can do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Then uh, if you were doing that in a movie, though, you would then have to kill the hunter. Or, or yeah. He just kills himself. Yeah, he kills himself. Yeah. Exactly. He just can't, t- he can't take it. <laughs> and he doesn't want the queen to uh, kill him. So yeah. just, I'll just, I'll do, do Yeah, because if he goes back to the there, he knows what's waiting for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's pretty bad. <laughs> pretty violent movie we're creating here. But, you know, I think that the essence of those stories is, is a sort of grand guignol kind of over the top violence you know to to those stories you know it makes it what do you think the moral of snow white is like is there anything like is it just stuff I think there that happens a... to her no but i think i think the moral is is her kindness you know it's that's what makes her survive right or you know the the hunter doesn't kill her because she is too what makes her kind what's the kind thing that she does like she does 
clean up things for the yeah, dwarves. She's but, very, and she's very accepting of them. She doesn't uh, sure, sure, send them But she is... needs something from them. Like, she's hiding from, mm. from someone who's trying to murder her. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, that is a quid pro quo situation. She's sure. nice. Yeah. But it's not, you know what? I'm going to go out and see the villagers and see who needs help. Yeah. Like... Off the top, we we know well, she likes to sing to birds. Yeah, but we yeah. So we've seen that animals love her. Animals dig her. That's so right. They recognize. But do her. they love her because she's so beautiful and she's like almost one of them? She's perfect, like an animal, like a beautiful creature. Uh, or is it because of her actions? Like again, we're back in the days where no one gives a shit. Yeah. But I'm just wondering. So now, you're saying like a warthog wouldn't like her? Could maybe? Well, <laughs> you know, I mean, Hakuna Matata. Um, and or he played a second warthog. Oh yeah, I was in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. That's it, that's it, uh, unrelated uh, to this universe. <laughs> but when you're doing it nowadays, yeah. what do you do to establish Snow White off the top as she's kind? Yeah, we like her not just because she's beautiful, yeah, but and because the birds like she's her. Pu- she's pure of heart. Yeah. Well, I mean Cinderella, you like because she's a victim. Yeah. Who doesn't let it get her down? Yeah. So you're like, she's a fighter. I'm rooting for her. I sure. want her to get out of this abusive family. Yeah. That's what you want. So well, that's her motivation. I mean, Got Snow White it. is also in an abusive family too. I mean, is she? Well, we, I mean, we can assume we're, it's not part of the film, but I think we could. If you want to establish her bona fides as a as a kind person, I mean, her mom, her she's already like a prisoner. Uh, you know. Uh, who's on borrowed time, obviously, because she's <laughs> she doesn't she doesn't know that though. She doesn't know that, but you know, yeah. That's I mean, to her, she's she's a princess in a kingdom mm. and can talk to birds. Yeah, things are pretty good for her. Like sure. she's got she's got it all, you know, <laughs> as far as she knows. And then she yeah. finds out mom's gonna murder her. Yeah, stepmom. Sure. I mean, it's it's all relative, of course. But yeah. What if she just like you know uh, just takes a little bit of glass and cuts her cheek? And then goes, oh, I got this scar. Oh, well, I won't kill you then. Now you're even more beautiful. Oh, right. Ooh, interesting. Do we ever see anyone else in the kingdom? No, it's pretty, it was pretty expensive to make that movie as it was. They didn't want to add any more information right. to it. So she's the princess of a kingdom it's, that we don't see. It's sort of the TV, it's sort of the Avengers, like the Avengers of television universe where you can't afford extras. So it's just a, this sort of really empty place everyone so why is it London empty of all humanity? Oh yeah, it's, it costs money to have people. Okay, well now let's go back to Gulliver. What is the what is the story arc for the character of Gulliver? So he goes, he gets tied down. That's a good question. You know, and I know all the lands he goes to are satirical that's, parodies. That's, that's the thing I was going to say. It's that's maybe the problem with Gulliver's Travels is there isn't really like much of a arc for the character besides insanity. You know, in the at the very end of the book. Oh, does it go crazy? At yeah, because he meets the Winhams, who are like horse-like animals that are perfect beings. Right. And he realizes how horrible humans are, and he re- can't he can't stand himself as a human, but he also cannot be a Winham, and so he just he just uh, descends into madness. So, really, the book itself is just—I mean, Gulliver is just like basically part of the clothesline that you're hanging the satire on. You know, right. like you know whether you're making fun of Lilliput versus. The other place that it's that they're fighting, I can't remember what the name of that place is, but you know, fighting over which end of the of a, of a hard boiled egg you open. Yeah, that's what the war is over, of course, which is uh, Swiss a parody of Protestant versus Catholicism. And then uh, Brobdingnag, where you know the joke is, of course, that 
these people are also ghastly looking to him because they're so huge. So all their features are enormous yeah. and, and awful. So they have huge pores and giant hairs sticking out of them and all this, you know, so he just, he sees humanity magnified, you know, and then, and then Swift wrote those two parts and then he took a break for a long time and then he came back to it when he was much changed as a person. Did he write them in chapters? He wrote, he wrote them in books, I guess. So yeah, there's so book like one is Lilliput. Style, yeah. Like, yeah, okay. And then he wrote about Laputa, which was this floating island of science, where it's just madness on this floating island and all this crazy inventions and stuff like that. And it was basically making fun of, of the sort of enlightenment uh, thinking of the day. And then the final part is the Wynnums, where with the yahoos the yahoos are are like beastly beast like humans right and the winnems are these very noble creatures so when gulliver goes back home gulliver goes back home right yes okay so when gulliver goes back home how in the story is he changed twice, or does... twice he goes home because lilliput and bob yes. are the same journey and then he comes back and then he sets out again right. as well, a ship's doctor it's and that's the, his fault then. If you're going out in the world again, when you know <laughs> he's got to work, a guy's got to work. He's a fully, ship's doctor, full of crazy lands. Uh, so he comes back. Oh, that's interesting. So he's a ship's doctor. I believe so. Yeah. Okay. It feels like it's been a while since I read. Yeah, it feels like you know, if you have like uh, bi- giant beings and little beings, it would help you uh, learn different things about how uh, bodies work. But anyway, uh, so when he comes back at the very, very end, or has he learned anything? Has he changed? Well, Does he tell people? Yeah, I just said he's gone crazy. So, but he doesn't tell. They it. just think he's crazy. Yeah, they just think he's gone nuts. Like he doesn't. Oh, okay. Yeah. He's uh, can't. And same thing with the second time. Back oh, the first time I th- I don't know what happens at the first time. I probably if he told people stuff, people would have because it's weird that they would still make him a ship's doctor after. <laughs> yeah, no, no, not loony. the first time. Yeah, not the first time. Sorry, that that journey. But yeah, he might have told people, but who would believe him? As some well, they believe him if like he traveled with one little person in his pocket. Yeah, he should have should have kidnapped person. someone from their home. I think you could tell them back one to... of those little Putians, Hey, I live in a land. With all this stuff. And by the way, one little bit of food uh, on my table will feed you for a month. And like, oh, that sounds pretty good. Well, it wouldn't because it would go bad. But anyway. Well, it depends what the food was. Okay. You know, some food would uh, still be fine. There's no refrigerators in those days. So yeah, uh, honey. So, honey. Honey? Okay. Honey, honey will stay fine. Okay. <laughs> you can eat honey. You can work your way through some cheese. <laughs> Just kind sure, of keep okay. peeling the mold off and okay. you eating your cheese. You're nice. fine. Nice thing of wine. You can drink wine, but for, for the uh, Lilliputian, uh, it would be as horrifying as 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 Gulliver going to Brobdingnag. Yes, that's right. But that's <laughs> the nice thing is that Gulliver can then like give him coaching on that. Like you're going to get grossed out, and here's what but, I did. But don't forget that he left he left Lilliput in in uh, shame in shame because he put out the remember he put out the castle fire, the palace fire. Oh, yeah, he yeah, urinated yeah, yeah. on it to put it out, and that got him shunned. So here would he, be the other thing you do is you would give the little guy yeah. uh, like one gold coin. Mm. And take back and like now they're the richest person in the in the land because they got uh, so much gold. Mm, yeah, yeah. Guess he could do that. But anyway, he didn't. <laughs> he didn't do Swift, any of that. And that's Swift why avoided it, all that. Because and that's, that's why it was it, not a hit uh, movie. Thought it was a hit movie, but it was a big. I, it was a very popular book. I've seen. I've seen so many versions. Of, I've seen the Ted Danson version. I've seen the Jack Black version. I could not tell you how any of them end mm. or what any of the conflicts I've never seen are. Any of, I've never seen any of them. I mean, I, I know that both are adequately done, mm. but. I have no relationship to Gulliver. Yeah. I just don't uh, don't don't care. Well, yeah, because he's not it's satire. Like it's I say. satire. Yeah, he's you not... need a Jiminy Cricket type character that he's traveling with. Yeah, because the whole thing is just going. You know, this is just a satire of the <laughs> da 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 da. I was like, what? 
Oh, why have you no political awareness? If you did, you'd know how to deal with this. Mm. Listen, you got to get in touch with history, man. I'm like, I don't. It's just a bunch of little people running around. No! How are you not seeing this? <laughs> it's possible. Yeah. It's possible. What do you know about the Franco-American War? I don't know. Did you just make that up? Maybe. I don't know. Things. The, the interesting thing is that Swift himself descended into madness his last years of his life. He was not well. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. He wore a horsehair shirt to punish himself for whatever reason. I don't know why. Just for the itchiness of it? Uh, it actually cuts you. Oh, damn it. Yeah, no. Like really why do they make those? Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It was some sort of form of self, self-flagellation. self Yeah, and that's back in the oldie days when you get an <laughs> infection and you die in a week. That's yeah. no good. Yeah. He, uh, yes, he wasn't healthy. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Oldie, he, you know, listen, he'd be dead by now anyway. So I feel bad for him, but yeah, yeah. he wouldn't have been. Yeah, he wouldn't have lasted till this time anyway. So yeah, that's right. So, I, mean, I think he lived to a pretty ripe old age, actually. Um, yeah, I was a big, I was a huge Swift fan. I was talk about Swifties. I was yep. a Swiftie before there were Swifties. I had like, I had like a couple of collections, you know, that had the tale of a tub in it, and the, the, it was like the Battle of the Books or something like that. Yeah. And, did he do a modest proposal? Modest proposals in okay. there, the Draper story or whatever it's called. There's a whole bunch of of various. Oh, they're all satirical, and then he also did poetry as well, which is more serious and not meant to be hilarious, but but um, wasn't really as well thought of as as his more uh, his more uh, stinging works. I would like it if his friends had said to him, "Take off the horsehair shirt." <laughs> well, I don't think people knew he was wearing it because you wear it underneath your your day clothes. Well, so when no you one... see the blood pouring out, then you yeah, kind of get maybe a hint. You would have thought. Yeah, but uh, he had kind of had to leave his friends because he got shipped off to to Ireland to uh, to be the dean uh, at a cathedral there. It was because he kind of got punished because he backed the wrong horse. He was like a Tory, and then the Whigs were in power, or whatever. Yeah. So he lost all his patronage, and so he ended up getting uh, shuffled <sighs> off to to Dublin. And that's why he wrote. I mean, he was, and not that he was unhappy there. He was, you know, and obviously he had a lot of sympathy for the the Irish people because he wrote a modest proposal yeah. that proposed that they get eaten. <laughs> but of course, he was not being serious. He was just saying, like, the way that the British were treating them, especially at that time, like, that was a really horrible time, horrible time uh, for those people, for Irish and Scottish people. Yeah, you know, a bad Lots time to live is the past. If you cannot live in the yeah. past, uh, but you know, I guess someone will say that about us one day. Oh, and they're right. <laughs> Hopefully the, hopefully the future is better. But we feel it's fine. And I think that people back then probably felt like they're probably saying the same thing. They're like, oh, you wouldn't want to live in the past. At least they'd we, be right. But we live now in the 17th century. It's great. We can have baths. Yep. We get food. We can have, go Just to the market go and get food. outside afterwards and get a cold and you'll explode. <laughs> it wasn't that dangerous. Really? Then where are they all now? Dead. Every one of them. <laughs> well, I'm get, saying living live in 100 years in the past. It's almost fatal, like almost <laughs> almost one hundred percent fatal. There's a couple of people I I admit are yeah. still around, yeah, but uh, for the most part, yeah, hundred years ago, dead. Yeah. That's how that goes. Don't get me started on two hundred years ago. <laughs> it's really dangerous. Yeah, that's I'm, when I'm watching. It's almost the, twice as dangerous. Yeah, when you're watching the old timey westerns and they're all having like uh, fights in the street and mm. and like shooting each other and you're like, oh, that's awful, and then you think, eh, they'd be dead now anyway. So might as well. <laughs> No big deal. Be dead then. Watching an old Agatha Christie and it's yeah. just going, nah, they'd all be, that guy'd be murdered anyway. No big whoop. That's funny. I was watching, not funny, but I was watching a video. It was, this guy was sort of going through sort of 10 myths about World War One, And one of them was about, it was the bloodiest war of all time or whatever. And he's like, not really. Like, there's way more bloody wars. 
there's about 10% casualties during World War One, which was, you know, fairly low for like a oh, big horrible. war. Like, like I think 20% of of uh, British soldiers died in the Crimean War. Jeez. And same same amount for Americans fighting in the Civil War as well. About 20% of them were, were killed during that, that war. And even worse is like the medical care at that time was was terrible like at least when during world war one there you know there was sulfa drugs like there was there weren't antibiotics yet but there were drugs that were like antibiotics that could that were very effective at preventing infection and stuff like that they were soldiers were um vaccinated against tetanus they had they had potable drinking water they you know they had running they had working uh, latrines and stuff like that so you know the sanitary conditions were a lot better soldiers spent an average of was it one day a week one day a week on the front lines during World War One? Like they weren't there like the whole time. They would, you okay. know, you'd rotate. So you'd go up and you'd fight, you'd fight, and then you'd be rotated back down and be behind, you know, behind not enemy lines, behind behind your lines doing like and whatever rec- recovering or whatever. And then you'd go back around, and there was leave as well. You could go home to England and stuff during World War One. So you know, it's interesting. It's like a lot of stuff. He's talking about like uh, talking about the idea that you know the that the aristocrats lorded it, you know, the, and the generals sent all these poor people to die and stuff like that, which is true. Like people died, obviously, and the working class had the biggest had the biggest amount of people killed. But that's because there were the, there was the most of them there. But in terms of in terms of death by by um, population, uh, the arist, arist, British aristocrats died more than the uh, fighting on the ground soldiers because most of the British uh, most like British aristocrats were officers and their job was to be the first up over top of the trench leading the soldiers to the charge mm-hmm. so they're at the fr- they're at the front right and then and so he was just listening like and a lot of generals died as well and because uh, um, they were too close to the fighting uh, in fact there was like a the overall commander of the British forces pretty much he had to make it like an order that generals do not spend so much time at the front lines because they were losing too much of their 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 upper like their 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 command forces so it was interesting it was an interesting sort of view of world war 1 anyway it's obviously terrible it's terrible, a war yeah. it's a war but it's uh not you know the bloodiest yeah, war it's like, not the uh, worst just war just 1 in 10 1 in 10 <laughs> <laughs> That's just, yeah, oh, yeah. no it's saying something like I can't remember. There's like, like the amount of the amount of Etonians that were killed in World War One. It was just astonishing. Like the amount of of like that graduating year of kids who would have left and then become officers and, and went and fought in the war. You know, like they were already inculcated into this. You know, through what they read. Like at that time, there was this real like popular like in books like the magazine like Chaps and stuff like that. These sort of boys, boys magazines were full mm-hmm. of these stories of Germans attacking Britain and a, a, a you know a, a stout band of, of young public school boys fighting them yeah. off, you know. And so that whole attitude That's the narrative, yeah. <laughs> yes, that attitude took them to 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 volunteer for World War 1 and took them across into uh some pretty horrible situations. But, you know, it is it's and once again it's all based on what your experiences were, you know, like some people, if you asked them, they would have said it was terrible. It was the worst thing I ever experienced. Other people were like, it was great comradeship, you know, and it got better. I ate better than I ever would have at home at that time because, you know, I got meat every day, whereas, you know, the lower classes didn't really have meat every day. 
So there's a lot of there's a lot of pluses besides the getting killed part of it, which you know <laughs> yeah. can happen yeah. any part in your life, though. Of course, so you know if you're back... but more so when people are shooting at you. Oh yeah, but back home you could have been like working in a mine and stuff like that. Yeah, which sure. Is also there's very lots dangerous. of shit jobs. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, you know, instead of working in a mine, you're at the you're you yes, you're a soldier, but you're also getting like three squares a day plus plus uh you get rum. Are you, you trying get... to recruit me? It sounds like t- what I'm doing saying is go back in time and let's join up. I think we can do okay, this. Okay, fair enough. What was also nice is he mentioned one of my heroes, uh, General Arthur Curry, the Canadian general, as being one of the innovators that... Uh, that he invented uh, Curry, right? He invented Curry. Yeah, he was like a failed real estate developer here in Canada. and uh, But he also was like um, a kind of like someone who led like um, cadets, like he did cadet training and stuff like that. And so he had like some mo- modest military training that when the war started suddenly became less than you know became enough oh you you're now an officer so he became an officer and then he went to to france and the first thing he did there was like completely change how the canadian canadians were used by by the british you know because well just because i mean to be fair to everyone who was involved in the war no one had had a war like that before like a fully mechanized war like when the war started like the french wore red pants when they were they started fighting and and then like the there were actually like cavalry on horseback charges near the beginning of the war two years later there's tanks there's poison gas there's you know all these developments that were happening and curry uh you know he, he felt what i was saying like i'm exact same i'll just paraphrase it was basically uh let's lose shells and not human like troops Good. you know yeah and so what he developed was the rolling barrage so he would carefully train his troops to walk at a steady pace and he would and then they would have artillery fire that would be moving in as they advanced it would be moving towards the enemy lines and so when the because what they would do before is they would shell then they would stop shelling wait a while and then they would send the soldiers to attack the the other other side well during that time of course while they're waiting the other side is getting their ship back together and and so when the soldiers arrive everyone's you know, all the machine guns are back in place and stuff like that. And everything's back under, you know. So what Curry did was have the artillery falling. And, and then shortly after that, the soldiers would arrive and begin their assaults. And also he was really good tactically. Um, there was a town. I've talked about this before, but I just find it very fascinating. There was a town um, that the French had tried to capture. They lost it. The British tried to capture. They lost it. And then they wanted the Canadians to do it. And Curry said, well, I'm not going to attack the town because that's dumb. I'm going to attack this hill. We'll take the hill because the hill controls the town. The reason that you're losing the town is because the Germans still control the hill. So they're just shelling you from above and you can't, you can't hold on to the town. So he attacked the hill instead. And then they held off the German attempts to take back the hill. And they took the town eventually because they had the higher ground. Right. This stuff like that, he's very clever uh, as a soldier. which is And it's interesting. There was also a, an Australian general who was kind of the same. They were both sort of operating separately from each other, but in a way that took it, that advanced military tech, you know, military fighting techniques that took, that took an account the change, the, the change of how war was fought. And uh, yeah, it's just fascinating. Interesting. Have you been uh, like, I know it's a, it's not world war two because uh, it's called world war one. It wasn't then, <laughs> but uh, that's, you know. right. that's right. The word end all wars. Re- retroactively. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Ironical. Um, were you uh, like uh, really into World War Two at any point? Like, no. Like, uh, like uh, our our dads were. 
Like I think like our dads for the maybe I'm just speaking for uh, you know uh, yeah. multiple dads but multiple <laughs> dads of uh, people I know mm. really into World War Two like like you know there's a lot of channels now that are out there that uh, feel like they were just based on you know uh, our dad's interest yeah. and if you want need to get your dad a book for his birthday mm. a book on uh, World War Two tanks or planes <laughs> even better is the way to go and my dad had like you know war games set up in the basement mm-hmm. and whatnot. Uh, uh, yeah, just wondering if uh, you know, being a dad, you ever yeah. got that itch? I, my dad could care less about it. So, okay, yeah, but Lisa's dad, yes, anything like anything aviation related, especially yeah. to World War II, he was always very interested in. And he has like, he had a friend who was a painter. He was who actually served as an RAF pilot, uh, but he painted like you know battle like air air what do we call it dogfight sort of things. Sure. Uh, World War Two planes involved in dogfights, and they're. There yeah, I think paintings we had and stuff some like dogfight paintings, like yeah. probably in my yeah. dad's workshop. Sure. sure, sure, yeah, and yeah, Lisa's dad liked all that sort of stuff, but my dad was not not interested in it at all. That wasn't his thing. Yeah, my dad wasn't a musical guy, mm. but uh, he loved Billy Bishop Goes to War. Okay, that's a Canadian musical. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Eric Peterson and John yeah. Gray, uh, and so that was one of those rare times we had common ground because I like musicals and he liked war. Yeah, and so it was like, hey, it's a musical about the war, really, and then so yeah. Both enjoyed that. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, I, you know, I really couldn't tell you what my dad is in- interested in. Well, he's uh, he's he sings in bar- or he sang in barbershop quartet. He did sing in barbershop, but that was much later. Like after we left, when I was a kid, I don't know what my dad liked. Was it? Did he? Would he buy? Um, I don't say new, but it, would he buy more records of the era of music that he liked, or no, no. his his albums just stopped at a certain time yeah. and never bought any more? Yeah. Okay. It just felt like once we arrived, he was like, yeah, that's enough jazz. So when you went to his place, uh, jazz wasn't playing on the radio or anything? No. What would be on the radio or anything? CKNW. <coughs> so it'd just be news. Just be news, yeah. Okay. I mean, CKNW, when I was a kid, also played music. It was like a an AM radio station that played music and had DJs and right. stuff like that. But like, say you and went over to... slowly changed over to being... You like go over to your dad's radio. place tonight. Yeah. Uh, is he watching TV or is he yeah, listening to he'd be radio? watching golf. Be watching... Okay, recorded golf, like pre-recorded golf. I don't know because I don't think golf is on twenty-four-seven. Yeah, they have the golf channel. Oh, yeah. There's a, there's enough golf too. <laughs> there's enough golf. So are they okay? I got questions about the there's golf L- channel because there's LGPA and then there's the PGA and yeah. then you got internationals. There's LGBTQ uh, <laughs> golf. Um, so okay. pretty much. So is it all? Yeah, it's all new golf. It's not. Yeah, yeah. Classic golf. I don't think so. Wow, there's enough new golf for a 24-hour golf channel. As far as I mean, my dad doesn't I mean, watch 24 hours. I mean, it's a long game. It is the long game, and there's a lot of there's a lot of like, you know, there's like a long like a lot of days, and there's one every weekend. Well, this is okay. What I don't understand about that is, yeah, because Sundays mm-hmm. or on the weekends, uh, there still is golf on TV. Yeah, like you can turn on a channel and there's golf, and I'm thinking like. Oh, I would think like the golf channel would ha- would have bought the rights to all golf. Mm. But if there's a big enough golf tournament that it's on mainstream TV, yeah. then what the fuck is the golf channel showing? <laughs> you know, it's showing like the side golf, yeah, like yeah. the little, little bit lower. But still, but still like with big players and stuff like that involved in it. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's crazy. Yeah. But that's what they that's what they watch. And if he's not watching TV, he's playing uh, solitaire in the on the computer in the bedroom. Okay. Or in the on the bedroom in the spare room. Yeah, that's been that's been a big thing for uh for older folks. Is, yeah, uh, yeah. Solitaire. Yeah. They love it. Love and it. if they're of a certain age, hearts as well. My dad does hearts as well. Yeah. 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 
I mean, my mom as well. So I guess they yeah, they're spell of, each they're other. They're of the age. They where, spell each other. So yeah. one's on the computer, one's watching golf, and then they switch around. I think I've asked you this before. Have they ever gone out to play bridge with another couple? No, my, they never played bridge. We did. They were car, we were a card playing family. Like we had regular card games growing up. That was that was common. Um, what like were I, your games? Oh, it always changed. Crib. Crib was very popular with my family. Okay. A game called Seven Up. Uh, we played Rummy. Um, we were poker and we were rummy. We didn't play poker. We were blackjack as well. We didn't play blackjack. We played more like like one, games where you have like 400 cards in your hand and like you're a little kid and you can barely figure out what you're supposed to do. With those. Yes. How do you hold all these cards? They're all falling out everywhere. And somebody have to learn. And my grandma would not play a card game that did not have a did not have like a buy-in. So even though it was just played for pennies, we still had to have money involved in the game. Yeah. Otherwise, it was totally worthless to her. She could not understand though. Why would we? Why would you be playing cards if there's not a cash part of it? So we yeah. had a bunch of loose change that yeah. was just in a jar that we just like yeah. separate up, and it didn't matter. No yeah. one cared. So we just had like a penny, penny ante uh, games. Yeah, and I can never remember because we always would change. Like someone would learn a new game, and then you would then you'd learn that new game, and that would be the new game you'd play for a year or whatever. But I mean, as kids, we played like heart, like crazy eights and stuff like that. That was very that was. A common game because it's fast and you can play it quickly and cribbage. And, yeah. I still would like to learn bridge sometime. Uh, again, well, like yeah, I you can t- finally understand all those all the comics from the from the twenties yeah, and thirties. There'd be so many Omar Sharif jokes I could uh, get. <laughs> uh, yeah, just I remember really clearly my dad's telling me, ah, "It's too hard. You wouldn't understand it," and that just locked in my head of like, "Well, mm. too hard for me. Wouldn't understand it." <laughs> Uh, you know, well, I'm sure cut, there's cut to me I'm in sure. my mid fifties. Yeah, I'm like maybe I'd understand it. Yeah, get. Just, I mean, you know what? YouTube. Yeah, not everyone here gonna was be, a. There's going to be a bridge on YouTube, or or uh, you know, I'm sure there's a video game version that uh, you know will lead you to it and guide you through the basics, and then you know, there you yeah, are. for sure. Buster Keaton was a very good bridge player. I saw him on Sunset Boulevard playing bridge. That's right. <laughs> Pass. Yeah, he says very sadly. That'd be funny if when he goes to a funeral, he's got a big smile. It's like the only time he's like super happy. It's he's, creepy. It's he creepy smiled movie. a lot in real life. It's oh, I'm sure. Not on camera, obviously. It's weird when you watch um, the Rail Rotter, not the Rail Rotter itself, but there's Buster Keaton Rides Again, which was simultaneously filmed. Well, you know the Rail Rotter? Nope. Oh, okay. So Buster Keaton, near the end of his life, uh, did a, a short for... Uh, this Canada. Oh Canadian, yes, I have seen that. Yeah, for the yes, NSB. going across Canada. That's right. And so, but at the same time, they filmed like a documentary of him making the film, and so it's kind of weird to watch though, because of course, whenever the camera's pointed at him, he has to like put on the the, the deadpan, and so you know he could be laughing, and then the camera's on him, and then it's a, down. It's really weird, but he's very funny, and there's like a his birthday gets celebrated, and he he pretends to take off his coat and claim he's going to fight any man in the house. <laughs> Stuff like that. He's really funny in it, so you can see like, oh, he would have been like a fun guy. Was that his last movie? Probably, yes, I would say so, because he only did. Well, no, I think his very last film was uh, "If Anything Happened to Me" on the way to the forum, because I think he filmed that and then he died after, shortly after that was filmed. Okay, yeah. And yeah. is that a good movie? You know what? It's a sixties comedy. It's got a catchy song off the top. Does it? I don't comedy know. Comedy tonight. Okay. Okay, I'm sure I've seen it. I just don't remember. Something appealing, something appalling, something for everyone. A comedy tonight. <laughs> yeah, I watched a lot of those as a kid. Just couldn't get, couldn't get. Yeah, what are you it. not going to watch TV? You're going to eh, watch TV. Those something other mad, 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 mad worlds on. Is it funny? <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's, it's in New color. Year's Eve. Things are moving along. To, things are blowing up. Things are falling down. To in defense of those films, all of them were filmed on like super widescreen 
because they're all like giant you know big releases at the time people's and, eyes were wider back and then. so when you when we watched them on television we were just getting like this pan and scan version that half the half the humor is lost because the, right. you don't get to see, you don't see what's happening half the time makes sense yeah yeah so when you're watching like those whatever they are the something or other men and their flying machines you're, you're just seeing like half the movie when you watch like the the great race or whatever here's the problem with uh it's a mad 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 world besides uh, its lack of humor one one no there's jokes in it kicking the bucket's pretty funny um <laughs> one you think it's related to mad magazine but it's not like, okay <laughs> mad that's thing one that's a problem but the big problem with it is all of the people that are in it you've mm. seen in better things mm. so it immediately makes you go oh yeah the phil silver show is good <laughs> Oh yeah, the uh, Jonathan. Part of the movie is the one part I like in it. Jonathan, though. Jonathan Winters. Oh yeah, that guy's funny on a talk show. Mm, right? mm. He's just jamming. Oh, he's so good. And you just keep going through like every one of the other actors that are in it, and you just think yeah. of the other thing that they've done that's like so much better. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I guess that's it. It's also just too so much yelling for me. To, to, I'm just not a fan of yelling. There's nothing that's not comedy in it. Like it's just <laughs> comedy, huh? But I do, Are you not entertained? Why aren't you laughing? I do find that Phil Silver is kind of underplays his character in that movie. Oh, and you I, kid! And oh, I like, and I you like, you know, <laughs> I just, yeah. I like when he's floating away in the car yeah. and the kids watching him. It's, it's good. Yeah, that's, that's like a great best, scene. That's like the best part of the movie to me. Like everything else in the film, I'm just like, that's eh, okay. Eh. Everyone's yelling at each other and mad all the time. Yeah, I guess Jonathan Winters on a little bike is good. Mm. Yeah, I'm sure there's like some funny little things, but it's as an overall experience, and I watched it several times. I did not, I did not not give that movie a chance. It was only it was on every New Year's when we were kids. So. Sure, it was yeah. And I was I always babysat, so there was only what like else are you gonna do? Eight movies that existed back then, so you had them on rotation. <laughs> yeah, Gone with the Wind, Wizard of Oz, mm. Sound no. of Music, Sound of Music, yeah. My Fair Lady, uh, yeah, Mad 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 World, mm-hmm. uh, and Planet of the Apes, and that's it. That's all. Yeah. Watch it. Yeah. I mean, there was it was limited because you know, like a local radio, a local radio, a local TV station would have a package of movies they'd buy. And often, when you're saying radio station, uh, like when our midnight, not midnight, uh, noon movie, yeah, uh, was uh, I think sponsored by CJAD in Montreal, which was the radio station. So you had the guy. That was like your main uh, DJ in the morning. Yeah, uh, was the host of the twelve mm. o'clock thing. Okay, and he'd do his uh, thing. He'd also uh, he'd also like host a talk show, which is weird. Mm. He wasn't very good, <laughs> but he was there. He was a he, he was a breathing body. Yeah, I feel like he was also the co-host of uh, Mr. Chips. Do you remember Mr. Chips? Not Goodbye, Mr. Chips, the movie. Yeah, but Mr. Chips was uh, a fix-it guy. And I do so, kind of remember that show. Yeah, yeah. and be like, all right, we're looking at today. We got this broken thing. We're going to fix that. <laughs> Often to do with wood, and then uh, and then yeah. the other guy would be not the dumb guy, but the guy going so how and he's wearing a suit. Yeah, and it's not dressed appropriately for a wood <laughs> shop. You know, sure. he's going to get his tie caught in a lathe and that, like die. That way, we know he's a he's a rube. Yeah, he's going to lose a couple of fingers in the saw. It's funny. I don't. There wasn't really uh, a host of for like our local rerun TV station, which was KVOS Channel Twelve, Bellingham and Washington, based in Bellingham, but Bellingham own, and but owned by Canadians, but based in in Bellingham because they couldn't get a license to to open a station in Vancouver, so they oh, okay. they went across the border where the law it's a lawless society down there, everyone, and so um, that station did not have hosts. When I was growing up, later on, they had a local DJ named Red Robinson who would do, uh, he would host the S- Sunday evening movie. What was more interesting was 
when I discovered through the magic of a converter box that my my grandma gave us um, that you had to press a button on top of to get other channels. Mm -hmm. And I just one day like just started like going up past where we, you know, our channel 13, I started going up looking for other channels and I found channel 28 KCPQ. Oh, okay. And that channel had Stanley Kramer, the director. He was a co-owner of that TV station in Washington. And so he would host the evening movies and so you'd get little kind of Hollywood anecdotes from him. Some of them personal because he was a director. He directed movies. He directed a, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, for instance. He directed um, that other movie, you know, trial, <laughs> the, the uh, trial at Nuremberg or whatever it was. And right. Then, uh, Judgment at Nuremberg. Judgment at Nuremberg. And then he directed the Something in the Wind or whatever, the one about the Scopus Monkey trial. Yep. Inherit the Wind. And... And because he's coming for dinner, and you know, he was kind of like he was sort of the social conscience director of, of his day, and but he had lots of great stories about working with different actors and stuff like that. So he'd often tell them. And by that point, he was pretty he was pretty old, but uh, but yeah, that was sort of like that was kind of interesting. He was a good he was an interesting host anyway because he had like he actually had bona fides that <laughs> made him like an actual host. This guy directed movies and not just like a one movie; he directed several movies that are quite well known. Yeah, you need a guy next to him going, no, for real, listen to him. <laughs> That's right. He the guy he's talking about. The guy I was thinking of who was the uh, kind of rube guy was Don McGowan. Don McGowan. He was a guy okay. in Montreal that was Mr. Big Shot, and he was the host okay. of everything and had a nice, rich voice and mm. a soothing voice. And I also liked him because uh, I uh, won uh, some tickets to uh, a movie once on his radio show. Oh, nice. And uh, he, was, uh, he was very nice. And I was like, oh, I like Don McGowan because I won stuff. <laughs> I won uh, tickets to the 7% Solution, and I couldn't go because I was too young. I gave them to my mom and dad. And then, you know, they were very happy about that. And I got, like, something out of it. I got, like, some candy or something. How did you win the tickets? Uh, there, was a, there was a question about Sherlock Holmes. And what was the question? What was the answer? Uh, what was his uh, partner's name? Oh, nice. And nice. Uh, I said, uh, Watson. And, uh, and where I, I knew that, you know, uh, because uh, I had been watching the show Holmes and Yo-Yo. And, oh yeah, yeah. With the robot, with the robot, with, with John Shutt, which then led uh, people to talk about Sherlock Holmes, and I'd never heard of Sherlock Holmes. And oh, then okay. I learned about Sherlock Holmes and Watson, and I was like, oh, all right. And so when this question came on the radio, I call in as I did all the time. I would always call into the radio <laughs> and try to win shit. Yeah. That's good for you. I I won tickets to Pink Floyd's The Wall. I, I answered the question, uh, where did Pink Floyd's name come from? Okay, and the question was, do we need education? Yes or no? Uh, no, it was more of a, more of a trivia question. Okay, so where does their name come from? Uh, from two blues musicians, Pink Anderson and Floyd Council. Oh wow! Which I knew in grade ten, apparently, because I won I won tickets, and then I won tickets. I won a record. I won uh, Billy Bragg's Vauxhall and I. No, not Vauxhall and I. That's the uh, that's the um, Morrissey album. But it did have Vauxhall in the title. I can't remember what it was called now. Anyway, I won a Billy Bragg album from CITR for answering the question, what was his first album called, which was Life's a Riot with Spy vs. Spy. Nice. And then I had to take a two-hour bus ride <laughs> one way to UBC to get the record and then a two-hour bus ride home again. So it was four hours of my life to you get a it. Billy Bragg record. The Vauxhall, something or other. I wonder what it's called. Okay. Name uh, either a parody character hmm. or a parody band. Yeah. Based on uh, the name Pink Floyd, go. A parody character or a parody band? Well, so Floyd from uh, from um, the Dr. Teese. Right, his full Mayhem. name, please. I... A hint is his outfit. Oh, Floyd Pepper. That's right, Floyd Pepper. So a bit of a combo. 
parody there. Mm-hmm. Is there another one? There's a, a fake band that's yep. based on? Yep. I'll give you a hint. Uh, Eric Idle. Oh, Punk Floyd? Yeah. That's right. Yeah. One of the band members of the Ruddles goes on to be uh, in a band called the Punk Floyd. That's right. Where he's got a giant safety giant pin. Safety pin, yeah. On the uh, when you bought the record, there was a big, uh, big full-size booklet that came inside the record that had like those images and stuff in it. For like, there was one with a banana on the cover and stuff. Yeah, that's that's what I that's where I discovered Jason with my brother and some other people, other cousins sitting on my bed in my room looking at that record. I walked in and was I was privately outraged, but I didn't say anything because I. Because I was very, I was, you know, very much like, that's my stuff, don't wreck it, <laughs> you little kids. But I, it was weird for me when I went to see the movie uh, Pink Floyd's The Wall, uh, because mm. <laughs> because when I saw it, I was like, that's, that's one of the hosts of Switchback, which was the show I was Oh, Bob Geldof. On. Bob Geldof, yeah. Okay, because yeah, he lived in town here for a while. He, he lived also... in town and briefly hosted uh, the uh, kid show uh, Switchback, oh, who's funny. one of the rotating Also an editor hosts. at the Georgia Strait, the yes, local underground newspaper. Yeah, But he had to quit because he wouldn't come in on Mondays. <laughs> Tell me why. <laughs> <laughs> He's a big fan of Garfield. Oh, okay. That's yeah, nice. Why. Um, yeah, that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I went and saw it with a then-girlfriend, grade 10 girlfriend, and uh, I didn't like it very much. I didn't the like movie? the movie very much. Yeah, and I was yeah, it was disturbing. I, like, yeah. I didn't like it, kind of nauseating. Yeah, me, it's, no, it wasn't really fun. I, I, I didn't like. I, I didn't like that uh, his nipples bled. At one point. <laughs> that he that he cut them with a razor. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was just like, <laughs> yeah, I don't think I need I that. I need this. Yeah, and then it's just it's also it also suffers from what most kind of rock operas suffer from, whether it's Tommy or or any other one, which is incoherence like, and length. And like the anything just, that's an opera is yeah. just like oh boy buckle up <laughs> here we go well at least with like Tommy you didn't get like the full overtures and stuff like that or Sparks as it was called one of the other long like eight minute musical pieces which are fine I don't I mean I like them but but I just find like the idea like when you when someone explains to you like the story of Tommy or tries to explain to you the Tommy because you can't explain the story of Tommy it yeah. makes no sense it's incoherent and so is and the story of the like wall you like the bean scene or it repulses you like nothing yeah. in the world. Yeah, I mean these are albums written by musicians. They're not they're not uh narrative people. They're not into narrative. So they, you know, they might think that. They might be like, "Oh, I'm really into I can, you know, I can write a book or I can do this." And then yeah. then you get Pete Townsend trying to do Lifehouse, which becomes this completely untenable, gigantic, unwieldy thing that collapses around him, you know, and then the band members are like, "This Let's just do one album. We'll just do like, we'll take the best songs and we'll make one record and let's forget about this whole Lifehouse thing." I had thing. a friend in high school and uh uh, I'm not gonna say his name because he's a professional musician now, uh, and hmm. and I would I, he'd be like, I have a song. I'm like, oh, I want to hear it, and I'd listen to the song he wrote. And I was, you know, what do I know from music? But like, yeah, it's ah, good. And then one day he was like telling me, yeah, I'm writing a rock opera, and uh, <laughs> and I just was, oh no, yeah, I don't <laughs> oh, want to hear dear. that. I don't want to have to hear that many songs. Mm. Oh no, and all I could think was, listen, I'll be in it, but I don't want to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i don't blame you yeah it's uh it's well, i mean i can understand why it's difficult because you know you're you're a songwriter but you're not and you kind of work your way your inspiration works is that you just come up with songs you know and, and sometimes the words suggest themselves or sometimes the music suggests the words but very rarely does does it work like i need a song about having to iron some clothes and suddenly a song pops in your head and you're like, oh, that's a perfect song about ironing clothes. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't work the way. So you just end up like trying to shoehorn in a bunch of songs that vaguely 
meet the requ- requirements for your opera or whatever you know yeah you feel yeah and you're right you're the last one that you write is the least one that you write because you know it was the one you were avoiding this long period of time <laughs> and yet it's still in there yeah and it's taking up the same amount of time yeah yeah there you are like, yeah like when you tommy like why is there a song called the acid queen on there well just because pete townsend wrote a song called the acid queen so i thought i'll just put that in the rock opera yeah, here comes tina turner here comes yeah it's, well i mean originally there was no when playing the role, it was just like a record of by the right, movie. but in, I'm thinking yeah, of the movie of version. So yeah. when I hear Pinball Wizard, I always think Elton John. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you go, yeah, he's a pinball wizard. And the reason that's in there is because the reason it's in there, there's a reason. Oh, okay. But it's totally into, oh, it does nothing to do with the rock opera. It's because there was this guy named Nick Cohen. Because people didn't like Pachinko Wizard. There was a, there was a, yeah, there was a, um, there was a rock writer named uh, Nick Cohen who was like a New Yorker guy, uh, not New Yorker, but a New York guy, and. And he loved pinball. And so Pete Townsend wanted to suck up to him ah. to get a good review. So he wrote a song called Pinball Wizard for the record. It has nothing to do with anything else. Okay. It and works so it, for me because I like pinball as well, which sure, is why sure. I was interested. That's fine. But as a, as a story thing, it's, in, it's incoherent. It makes yeah. no sense. Like, why is he a pinball wizard at all? Why does that even matter? Why are people impressed by this that they're not going to create a religion around a guy who can play pinball? And he's, but even though he's deaf, dumb, and blind, not because he's actually physically yeah. deaf and blind just because it's a, a psychological block based on seeing his mom having sex with someone else that besides his father okay so uh it should have been pachinko wizard then you're saying yeah so pachinko wizard <laughs> takes a lot of balls pachinko wizard it looks like waterfalls <laughs> what's the point of this game i don't know have you tried looking it up I looked it up and there were some images, I guess. But then I kept reading and it was all a mess. I didn't really care. I guess they keep some score. I just don't want to read this anymore. So on and so forth. Nice. Yeah. Pachinko Wizard. <laughs> it should have been Pachinko Wizard. We watched uh, the other day. And I'm I glad you half listened to me while I was talking about I did. Story. I did enjoy it. <laughs> No, no, no. That shit. Listen, there's a little part of my brain, and we've talked about this when we had David M on, which yeah. is the factory. And they're like, you can't turn off the factory. And once the factory starts building something, it's going to go off in its little meeting room, and it's going to do that. But I can listen to someone tell me a whole history of jazz, and I'll, and I'll also be over yeah. here building something. Even if, even you know what? To be fair, even if you weren't even building at your factory, if someone was telling you the whole history of jazz, you're only going to half listen. That's right. Well, it's about it's the a, words you don't hear. <laughs> it's really about that. <laughs> That's the, why jazz Those words. are the best words. Uh, we talked about uh, last week seeing um, Stop Making Sense, the Talking Head yeah. uh, uh, musical from uh, the 80s. 80s? Yes. yes. Yeah, late 80s. Late 80s. Uh, Mid to late 80s. I don't know if I mentioned this at the time, but I was something. one of the reasons I wanted to see it was um, I like ripping off structures. As in, like, you know, whenever I'm trying to write something scary... I'll look at Jaws and I'll go, okay, break down your scary story the way Jaws does. Mm. So it's like, here's where you don't see the monster, but the monster has some action. Here's where mm. we introduce these characters. Yeah. Here's where the monster reveals itself. Here's yeah. where the monster seems to win. Here's where the monster loses, blah, blah, blah. And I was thinking when I was watching Stop Making Sense, could you do this with comedy? Okay. Is it possible to like start with like one, because it starts with one person yeah. coming out and doing something very basic. Yeah. So one person who comes out who's doing either a monologue or stand-up, mm. and then it builds to like another person, and they're doing a duo kind of thing back and forth, and then another person comes on, we're doing the start of a sketch, and then the, the background changes, yeah. and now we're doing full 
full sketch, maybe almost a, a scene from a play or something, yeah. and just just keep going on and building and building, and then completely change the tone at one point. You know, your main characters leave, and and uh, you know, it'd be the equivalent of whatever the Tom Tom Club would be, but it's like a completely different sketch group that's doing sure. something completely different. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just wondering if that would be possible to do comedy wise. Why not? Possibly. I don't know. That was just running through my head when I was watching it. Yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> I was watching like this. A duh. <laughs> just good movie. Tap toe. I like funny good music. Actually, I was watching it. I do think it's, it's good music. You could use more Imelda Marcos, you thought. No, I feel like when I'm watching it, I feel like this is good music, but I prefer the band to the to having all the session people there, you know, mm. filling in for the band's quote unquote weaknesses. According to David Byrne, you know, they're weak. Is that what he said? Yeah, that's why they were there because he didn't think that Tina Weymouth or Chris Franz were strong enough players, so they needed they needed people to hmm. to bolster the, How the sound. How did the musicians feel about that? Well, they didn't like it very much. I mean, that's why the band basically foundered around that time. So they were going to get back together uh, for um, uh, the Late Show two days ago. Okay. And then Colbert came down with COVID, so it didn't end up happening, and I'm not sure if they're doing it again. But I wasn't sure if if they were going to perform or if they were just going to do some couch talk. Yeah, interesting. But they were set to be on the show two days ago. Because they have reformed because of their induction into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Ah, okay. And so that's probably related to that. And that's unfortunate that Stephen Colbert came down with. Because it would have been interesting to see them play uh, live in the studio as a band again. Because when you watch that movie, where they're good, they're very good. You know, and, and Tina Weymouth, I think, is, un, is undersung as like a creator, like as a bassist. And it's, you know, it's just unfortunate that, that David Byrne was, you know, someone who, and it's not, it's not, it's not like he was being evil, but just his personality made him want to be make something that was perfect, you know. And to him, yeah, he said he's changed since then. Yeah, he's apologized to them uh, for for things, you know, for being a, a little tin pot dictator in at that time, you know. And basically, you know, like he brought Brian Eno in to produce their their early records, and ba- and basically even Brian Eno sort of teamed up with him against his bandmates, mm. you know. And and allowed allowed Byrne to have more control over the situation than he than he should because when you start as a band you should be like an equal thing. But I mean bands are. I always like that quote from Timothy Schmidt when he was asked about joining the Eagles when they were recording their final album, The Long Run. Did you did you you know did, were you aware that the band was breaking up when you joined them? <laughs> and he said all bands are breaking up. All bands are breaking up from the moment they start. The band is breaking up. Rick Mercer up. said that about comedy troops as well. Yeah. The second your, your your troop gets together, it's the second it starts breaking up. <laughs> yeah, and that's, I mean that's absolutely true. Yeah, and I guess and I guess you just have to like accept accept that as part of the life of a band is that it's going to have a limited life time before the band members want to do other things because after a while it gets boring being whoever you are a talking head or whatever. Yeah. You know, like you can only play all those songs so many times before you're just kind of like, well, this is just autopilot now. I'm not really even here. I'm just doing my bass part. I'm not even thinking about it anymore. Yeah, the only yeah. way it feels you can, and again, I'm coming at it from comedy, mm-hmm. but like the only way you can really avoid it is if you were constantly growing and changing and you have enough changes that you feel like, you know, yeah. you're not stagnating. But yeah, there is something as an artist that just is like, oh, I'm staying still and this is dangerous yeah. And, yeah. Uh, and wrong. And it's tainting even the stuff that I've done that I like. Yeah. So I'm doing it so much now that that song that once upon a time was a great song for me or a great sketch is like, Ugh, we're doing that one. Mm-hmm. And it's like, it's ruining that one. I'm not loving the thing I loved yeah. anymore. 
Yeah. yeah. Someone like Monty Python thinking comedy, you know, sure. starting as a show, then going to movies because that seemed like the next logical place. And also doing records, mm-hmm. you know, because they just didn't do records. They also like innovated within that, you know, place as well, how they did their records and stuff like that, whether it's as how they sure. pre- presented it or how the production was or whatever. They you know. tried with the uh, computer discs. They tried their best to mm-hmm. be, you know, that kind of thing as well. It didn't. 100% work. Yeah. Maybe 25% work. I think that well, by that point they're missing. They're, they they weren't were just a, out of touch with what things were. Sure. And they weren't a team, the same sort of team anymore yeah. as well. Like Graham Chapman was gone. And, and that for all all that John Cleese will put down Graham Chapman, I, I think that that kind of uh, whatever he brought to, to what they did was very special. You know, obviously the big best example being, you know, let's have a guy trying to return a toaster, write a whole toaster sketch. And then Graham Chapman saying, "Why not a parrot? That's a that's a great thought, yeah. you yeah. know. That changes something that's just very run of the mill, and something that's amazing, you know. Uh, and that's just how his mind was, you know. And who else could have been Brian? And who else could have been Brian? Or who else could have been Arthur? You need yeah. that that key character that you know, even though he was suffering through DTS through most of most of the Holy Grail movie, uh, where I think there's a scene that he couldn't even perform. Oh, walking over the bridge." There's a stand-in mm. for him walking over the the bridge where they asked the old man asked the questions, and they go to the bridge. He couldn't he couldn't cross because he was too too lost in the in in his uh, alcoholic de- delirium tremens. So yeah, he didn't. <laughs> yeah, by the time he did Brian, though, he had he had uh, gotten past that point. He was he was even like the the onset doctor for mm. the for the for the for the movie as well. So was he just wasn't just playing Brian and also wrote the movie, but he also he was the, uh, the the doctor on set because he was a actual doctor. Yeah, which is crazy. Of all the facts about Monty Python, that's what that blows my mind the most. Oh, you're an actual doctor. Okay. Yeah. Do I owe you a copy of a liar's autobiography? No, I still have mine. In fact, okay. I, in fact, I have two. All right. Then. One is signed, not to me, but it's signed. Okay. Hardcover. Who's it signed to? I can't remember now. You should change your name to that. <laughs> it's one of my little regrets that I had opportunity to go see Graham Chapman, and I didn't for whatever reason. Ennui, inertia, something stopped me from going, but uh, that would have been rather good, I think, in retrospect. By the time, I think I think I was just sort of over Monty Python at that point, and I was mm-hmm. just kind of like, eh, this Monty Python. Eh. I mean, I like them plenty, uh, but I, I think they're all their episodes are on Netflix. I, I wouldn't think of watching them now. I did. I did watch a few of them. Even watching the first season, like if you go past like the first six shows or the first yeah. few shows, you get into shows that you don't remember, mm. and you're like, I don't even remember this show. This is really good. Like there's one where the characters are trapped in a meeting in a house. Oh, okay. And I never even saw that. I don't even remember it. But watching it, again, I was like, this is really good. Yeah, I have to give that a shot then. Okay. And I think like the second season would probably hold similar things where you'd be watching and going like, I have no memory of this. Some you'd remember like forever, you know, like. When John Cleese is the newscaster being kidnapped and put on the truck and carried, you know, and all that stuff. It's best to start with the second season of almost any sketch comedy mm-hmm. show. Because uh, then they're into doing a show for the show they're doing and not using their old sketches. Or yeah, yeah. They, I mean, there doing, a little the, bit doing the ones from their pilot, mm-hmm. doing the ones that they planned and redone and redone yeah, yeah. and redone. Yeah. I would say with Bunny Python, you don't have to start with the second season, but start in a few shows with the first season. I so do remember watching the first, the first, first one with so. some people and going, this is Python. It's really good. Let's watch it. Oh, man, this is slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, This yeah. is really Yeah, you got to move, move on a little bit. Yeah. But there's some great great stuff. Like, I just a sure. little while ago, I was like, I was uh, inspired to watch the trial one where they, where um, 
I think it's John Cleese plays uh, over uh, over a, a too ambitious uh, defense trial lawyer and uh, brings in uh, Cardinal Richelieu as a character witness. And is this like? And it turns out he's Ron so and so, well known Cardinal Richelieu impersonator. <laughs> it's so it's so great. It's so silly. And it's like the, the way Michael Palin plays the character. You know, I know. Are you Cardinal Richelieu? You know who did it? This of France, blah blah. All the kind of historical facts. That's what they say. You know, it just, just, <laughs> just plays it so well, and it says, "Oh, it's so good." You know, so I just watched just that one sketch. You know, just to just to refresh my memory about how great it was. It's a good one. You, if you, if I. Do you remember that one? Do you remember it at all? No, not at all. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, it's just one of the things, right? Like if if you watched, like I say, don't watch the first one. Watch watch it a little <laughs> yeah. bit, and and uh, you'll you'll hit some stuff in there. You'll just be like, I don't remember this at all, but this is really good. Yeah, so, uh, Monty Python was the forbidden show at our house because my mom saw that there was breasts on it. Mm. So that's the end of that. Uh, <laughs> and but I could watch it at my grandparents' house because they were British that's and they nice. didn't care. And occasionally you'd be watching a British show, and uh, all of a sudden you'd see toplessness and go. How? That's nice. How is England doing this? <laughs> and then you'd uh, watch yeah. something on French Canadian TV. And again, you'd see nudity mm. and go, hey, CBC English. Yeah. <laughs> why did we lose this? Uh, Damn our know? Scots Presbyterian blood. Yeah, exactly. Why aren't we watching a lot of uh, movies about because artists and models? Because of our Scots Presbyterian blood. Yeah, yeah, that's basically why. Uh, we're a big Scottish population here. and Just no fun. Back then, it, yeah, nudity was gold. It was, mm. uh, oh boy. Ho! Oh. And uh, yeah. yeah, finding out there's like anime that had nudity in it was just, what? <laughs> well, what's our nonsense? Discovering Emmanuel on uh, Channel 13. I never saw that. That was one of those that, again, the the, the problem with Emmanuel, because that was the baby blue movies that were showing on CKVU. CKVU, I yeah. think. It's on Saturday. That was Moses, late Saturday nights. That was yeah. Moses Zimmer, uh, you know, yeah. uh, doing, doing that. Uh, but like, all the kids at school yeah. would talk about it. Mm. Just like, did you see this? Yeah. And then you could tell like some of them didn't see it. And, and, <laughs> and I would admit that I hadn't seen it. Oh, it was great. Why? What happens in it? Well, and it's, you know, a kid who knows nothing of sex <laughs> describing made up things. Mm, yeah. You know, and then yes. it's like that didn't, well, that didn't happen. Also, that can't happen. <laughs> also, what are you talking about? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. There's a lot. There's a lot of simulated. It's, it's soft core, so it's all simulated sex. You know, it's yeah. mostly just breasts and and some pretend pretend pumping. It's fine. Yeah, it's. It I mean, the, the one thing that I did sometimes, you know, I was able. And again, there's no way I could be watching that because at any point the parents could like walk into the room. Yeah, and uh, be like, "What's this? Uh, I excuse." Mm. Made up story? <laughs> what? I don't know. I was just trying to make up a story. Did I just say made up story out of my mouth? Um, but what I could see that was also on CKVU yeah. was, and now we're going to show you uh, the music videos uncut. So it'd be like uh, Duran Duran's Girls on Film oh, or yeah. by David Bowie's China Girl mm-hmm. or something like that. And it would be like, oh, well, I know this video. No, I don't. No, 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 I don't know this video at all. What's, what's this about? <laughs> the black bars are gone. From yeah, Girls what's on going? Film. What's 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 a, yeah. hey, what's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. <laughs> and so, if your parents walked in, it would just look like you were watching videos, and or they just hear the videos. They're yeah. like, "Well, he's watching Friday Night Videos." Yeah, yeah. You know, so, who cares? It's nothing. He's not watching something dirty, and we shouldn't like barge in, <laughs> cause trauma. <laughs> hey, what's going on here? Yeah, the biggest problem with Emmanuel is I watched it with a friend. I was I had a sleepover at his place. We watched it Ooh, together. Ooh, if we're sleepover, that's yeah. even worse. 
You want to be able to go home after that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you want a, a nice cold walk <laughs> in the Canadian air. <laughs> I, some, I have some... You want like, to go roll in a snow I have some bank. urges I can't act on here. Yeah. Um, I really have to go to the bathroom. I have to be right back. Yeah. Hey, what happened to the towel rack? Nothing. It's it <laughs> broken when I came in here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we all do it differently. So we've learned from Chester Brown. Yep. <laughs> hey, do you know, speaking of that... Uh. Uh, so, uh, did we mention uh, that that was going to be a movie? Paying I didn't even know it? that. Okay, yeah, yeah. Paying yeah. for it's going to be a movie. Paying for it is uh, being made into a movie right now. And mm-hmm. take a guess. Uh, it's a pretty obvious guess. Who's the director? I guess it would be Sukhin Lee. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> Not her first directing job because she did a movie. Short Bus? Nope. She didn't direct that movie. Oh, she was just an actor in Just that an one? actor. Okay. In that film. Speaking of movies where you can see uh, not simulated sex, but actual sex. That's Short Bus, everyone. Um, no, she directed a film that was, I can't remember what it's called now, but it was, um, it had a band in it called No Fun, which David thought was a, was a little, uh, a little cheap on her part to, uh, take their, take a band's name that was performing at the same time her band was performing here in Vancouver. Oh, that is weird. Yeah. Huh. Okay. I'm looking now well, at, for her, at her, uh, IMDB. I see for films that she's directed. Yeah. That's, that's exactly the, what I'm, what I'm doing. <laughs> Um, but yeah, she was, for those of you that uh, don't know, she was in a band called, uh, Bob's Your Uncle and yep. was a, uh, VJ on, uh, Canadian, uh, video channel, Much Music. Mm-hmm. And is still the host of definitely, definitely not the opera on CBC on Saturdays. Okay. So I got, I got like things that she's uh, acted in here. Mm. So, uh, what did she act in the film I'm that she directed? Sure. I'm not sure. I've never seen it. Okay. Let's see. Acting director. Here we go. There you Previous. go. Previous. Okay, we got she. Uh, she's directed ten things. Death and sickness was that what you were thinking? Go, of? go from the bottom. Okay, five feminist minutes. Nope. She was the director of one of the segments. Hey Kelly. Nope. Uh, Girls clean sink. Nope. Unlocked. Nope. Toronto stories. Nope. Year of the carnivore. That might be it. I think it's year of the carnivore. Yeah, right? me too. Uh, three movements. Whispers and shoulders. Octavia was dead. Death and sickness. Yeah, it's year of the carnivore. Yep. I think the other ones are shorts, not uh, full. I think features. that one had a cartoon poster. Let me see if I'm remembering that right. Yep, that was a Chester Brown uh, cartoon poster. Huh. Yep. Well, that's fine. It's easy to easy to get your uh, downstairs tenant to draw draw your poster for you. You think so? <laughs> you think but, so? But uh, I've I've done that with my wife. Yeah, and she's drawn some posters for me. It's hard. It's, it's hard. Actually, hard to get. Yeah, get... you really got to sneak up on them and like. <laughs> Get them in a vulnerable moment when they'll. Hey, why don't you draw a poster for me? Oh, I'm working on other stuff. Yeah, could you draw a poster for me? Yes. <laughs> Hooray. It's a good poster, though. Mm. But uh, yeah, so hopefully uh, people in that movie will uh, have faces. That'll be good. The uh, paying for it. We'll see. Yeah, that's interesting that she's directing it. Mm hmm. It's I mean, a, I can't think of a better director for it. It's interesting to be made to movie. Unless uh, the other director I could see would be... Who's the person who directed Ghost World? Oh, Terry Zweigoff. Yeah, I could see Zweigoff directing it. Who's the person who directed Bad Santa? Oh. Terry Zweigoff. Okay. <laughs> but who directed Arts, uh, Art School Confidential? Terry Zweigoff. Okay, well then, all right, American Splendor. <laughs> Terry Zweigoff. No, he didn't direct American Splendor. Oh, who did? That was a team, a, a man and woman directed that movie but can't remember the names oh okay it's good that men and women are teaming up again i like it after the wars yeah it was a it was a wrestling like they wrestled through the whole like they didn't actually agree on any of single part of the film they just spent their whole time doing like sounds like they were just doing it for the fun of the wrestling doing uh rock paper scissors to decide on things which i didn't know this but rock paper scissors was a drinking game how how so 
it's for, comes from the comes from Asia. Yeah, had a different name originally, and it was uh, a drinking game in Asia. Okay, and if you lose, you drink, or if you uh, win, you drink. I guess if you lose, you drink. That makes more sense because you get worse and worse as you play. Okay, and but the point is, you want to drink, right? That's why I never understood with those drinking. Well, no, drinking games. games is you don't want to drink because then you get worse and worse at the game. Yeah, but but you still drink. Like the yeah, po- yeah. The point of a drinking. I mean, the game, point of it, it's still real. Fun. It's still fun. is that you will drink. Yeah, yeah. It's you don't still want to be fun. the person who at the end of a drinking game goes, "I am stone cold sober." <laughs> well, well good night, everybody. This has been a great party. You won, but yeah, yeah. No, no. The point like, of a drinking game is that the person you're the one who doesn't eat pie. Yeah. Well, I like pie. Yeah, I know, but it's a pie eating game. Like if you're playing beer pong, you have to drink if you lose. You don't drink as you win. Right. Because your playing gets worse and worse. Here's what it feels like to me. It feels like one of those, uh, you know, things, uh, almost like, you know, kind of uh, sexy things in movies where yeah. you've got to, like, make it look like, oh, you didn't want this, but you did, but you got to. And yeah. that's the way it goes. And it feels like that with, like, the drinking thing is, like, you're going with the premise that I want to drink. Oh, well, that's wrong to want to drink. Okay, we're going to play a game. And if you lose, yeah. you have to drink. Yeah. I have to drink. Well, that takes responsibility away from me. <laughs> Let's be fair. Most you people know, are... I'm a good sport. Otherwise, I wouldn't be drinking this beer that I like, that I, delicious <laughs> beer. Um, num, 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 yeah. num. But I have to. There is a reason why uh, Rock, Paper, Scissors is a one-handed game, because you can play it with a drink in your hand. Ah. So you're still drinking. You just okay. have to drink more if you <laughs> if you lose. Right. Yeah. yeah. But the... Pr- the you know the the idea is that you like want to drink, but yeah, That's but not, not everyone sense. wants to drink to paralysis, right? So okay, well, I hope hopefully you're not drinking to paralysis. Yeah, if you're playing with those games, you're you're getting more and more. You're drinking till you're sick. Well, not necessarily, but you're drinking more than you need to. <laughs> See, I don't really understand how the the, the, <laughs> the idea behind the drink. Like if at the end of it all, you then also win twenty bucks or something, mm. you know. But you know, like a thing of beer that costs money. Mm. So, like, do you have to do you have to pay for that beer, or who pays for the beer? What's going on? I guess you're, at, well, you're most time you're at a party, so you're so you're getting the free beer. So you're drinking, you lose, Maybe, or you lose, and you get your... like six free beer. You well, it loser. depends on what kind of party it is. Some parties you bring beers, and other parties you you get the the host will provide you with. Right, but if there was this thing like, what do you like? Do you like chocolate? Do you like chips? What's what's the thing you like? Hot dogs. So if you had a hot dog game, <laughs> yeah. and it was like, okay, you lose, you got to eat a hot dog. Well, sure. then eh, yeah, that's, you're happy. That's I'm happy for the first few, but after a while, <laughs> maybe you know I can eat three of them quite easily. But what about right. the fourth one or the fifth one? So the point is, you're supposed. It's almost like. Uh, you know the Protestant thing, where like now, now your sins will turn on you. You enjoyed it at first, <laughs> yeah. but hey, welcome to Donkey Island. That's now, right. now you're now you're feeling nauseous and bad. Yeah, huh? Sounds like a fun game. Sure. Why would you want to play that game? Because yeah. you're, like, you're not going to lose. You're going to win. And then what do you win? You get to win watching your yeah, friend you get bragging rights. You get you watch your friend get yeah. bragging. Yeah. I guess. <laughs> Get bragging rights. What do you play most games? Most games don't. Most games you play don't have like a monetary thing associated with it. You just get bragging rights. Hmm. That's not what your grandmother said. <laughs> no, she did not. She wouldn't have played a game like that. She would have insisted. Would she have that played we, a drinking game? Ah, uh, no, she wouldn't have played a drinking. Did game. they have drinking games in your grandmother's day? Of course they did. Did they? Of course they did. What well, do you think? We invented the wheel. Well, no, but they, definitely all the drinking games. I of, just told you about rock paper scissors being a drinking game. Yeah, that but that was game. quite the surprise. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know, that was one of those, hey, did you know this weird thing? Yeah. That game that we played as kids yeah. used to be a drinking game. No, I didn't know that uh, because I didn't know there were drinking games back then. Yeah. When I think of a drinking game, I think of something like a beer pong, which yeah. you're saying. Yeah. Uh, but a beer pong, I mean, that clearly feels like that game came along in the 60s 
at the most, right? Yeah. That's not something in World War One. Hello, mate. Let's play a bit of old pongy. We yeah, will. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, we'll do our rotation and uh, then one-tenth of us will die. So let's have a, let's have a drink. And here we go. Yeah, yeah. And then it, and it goes. Like, I, I don't remember. Like, I used to uh, buy books of parlor games. Okay. And read, like, and those were always fun. And I would try to use them sometimes, like, in improv shows. And sure. Use them as the basis for things. And they were, they were good. They were tried and true. Yeah. But uh, I don't remember seeing drinking game books, mm, yeah. which it feels like there would have been. It would be a bit different than parlor games, I guess. Would it be? Because it feels like you're out at your friend's yeah. place. Uh, it feels like the kind of things you would have a book out that's just like fun with drinks and, and have some you know sexy cartoons in those books. Yeah. And, yeah. and here you go. But I, I don't remember seeing those things. Have you ever seen one? No. All right. But I'm not an aficionado so even if i saw it i would probably wouldn't have paid much attention to it so the closest thing to a drinking game was uh i think it was uh cat food uh, trivial pursuit okay and that was one you had where, to eat cat food yeah you had to eat cat food so you have triscuits and you put some cat food on triscuits and if you didn't get the trivial pursuit question you had to eat the uh the cat food and uh, we we do that because we weren't drinkers at parties, so we'd uh, so so we would do that. You got very good at Trivial Pursuit uh, <laughs> when it's uh, you know that on the line to the point where when you and I would do pub quizzes later, I was like, you know what? It was because of the cat food that I got good at this stuff. Yeah, there's a drinking game. What's that? Pub quiz. Oh, I, well, win, I mean, you but win, you, you but, but that's thing. one where you win. If you win, you get yeah. drinks. Yeah, that's different. which makes sense. Yeah, <laughs> it, it feels like you know if you win, and then all the losing tables they have to drink a whole you know a bunch of beer, and then you get to laugh at them. That feels like more like what a a beer pong game would be like. Yeah, it makes no sense to me. I'm sorry, I don't understand. And I I I have a, an alcohol based podcast, and I don't understand that. I don't. <laughs> Maybe we should add a drinking game aspect to that. Yeah, we'll see. It's usually sh- uh, recorded on a Sunday morning, so that feels <laughs> feels wrong that I'm getting people to drink. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's having fine. gin rickies. That's fine. You know, at, uh, uh, as you hear the church bells in the background, it's like we're the center house. <laughs> no, don't look at it like that. Oh, not uh, healthy. I had a question, question not for healthy. you. Not healthy. Uh, did you have a shirt that you would wear every so often that said "Paddle On"? I have a I have a uh, hoodie that I wear that says "Paddle On." Paddle yeah. On. Yeah. Uh, my landlord uh, dropped off their cat yesterday. I'm babysitting. Yeah. And uh, their daughter had a Paddle On shirt, and I went, oh. "Hey, my friend she has went. that shirt as well." Yeah. Uh, and uh, and so my question to you is, where'd you get that shirt? Camp Frickham. So you're not a child learning yeah. to learning to canoe. No. So explain why you have that well, shirt. That's where Mary worked. Oh, very good. Okay, Mary that's what at, I that's what I said to yeah. to them was Mary worked at Camp Furcom on on Gambier Island for yeah, that's right, five years, four or five years, and they went for a couple of years. The, yeah, uh, the, yeah, yeah. And so that was part of their merch. And so I was there. I went over for a November event, and I wasn't there for the burn, but I was there for like the dinner. They had like a dinner. And it was basically like a fundraiser for for the camp. And so I went there. I paid money for the dinner. And Mary asked, you know, asked us to go, but at least couldn't make it. So I just went by myself and went over to the island and went to the dinner. And then they were selling merchandise. And so I bought a hoodie. Oh, cool. And that was quite a while ago. It's still, I still have it. So it's obviously pretty good material. And I also have a shirt that says Paddle On as well. Okay. That Mary got for me. 
Yeah, when I saw my landlord's daughter with it, it was like, wait a minute, I've seen this before. <laughs> then I said, I know, you know, my my, my friends got uh, that shirt, and they're like, wait a minute, why's your friend got this shirt? <laughs> you know, are you friends with children? And I'm like, maybe I am, but that's not my, I don't know. And then I figured out, yeah, it must have been a counseling yeah. situation. Was Mary, yeah, she was she was not there as a counselor. Well, I guess camp counselor, no, she didn't really do that. She was more part of the uh, behind-the-scenes team. She did, like, the... The clean cleaning and uh, changing the beds and stuff like that when people left. And, oh, cool! You know, because they had they did have like camp stuff there, so they had a couple of like dorm kind of dorm situations, but they also had cottages they rented out to families, so individual families or or like we we oh no you didn't go that time nope but we uh, took the fines and my my brother in law right and then Lisa and I we went over to have Thanksgiving there one time and then we went over and had uh, Christmas there because Mary had to stay over. The Christmas period there to look after the camp because everyone else was gone. And so she got volunteered to do it. And so, <laughs> but the, part of it, they said, well, we'll let you lo- use the big house for free, the big cottage for free for your family. So we got to stay in this kind of big fancy cottage and have our Christmas there, which was fun, but also kind of nerve wracking because you have to bring everything over. Right. And you can't forget anything because then it's a disaster. So um, the, the almost disaster of the Thanksgiving was they had solar power. But when the solar power stopped and the and the bat and it kicked over to the generators, all the, there was a brief I guess there was a brief uh, gap in the power supply, and so in the middle of that the stove stopped working because we had the stove on and it was on the timer was on to cook the turkey, and we were out for a walk and we came back and the stove was off, Oof. and so I had to turn it back on and we were, we were a bit later with our turkey than we we should have been, but it was still fine. It's still okay, and you knew what time it turned off and turned I had a, I use a meat thermometer to figure okay, out that's my good. time. So yeah, yeah, because this year I had a big giant turkey and I put it in way too early, so we it had to come out like a quarter after four. <laughs> so so I was a little I was a bit excited because we had someone coming over that was a friend of Mary's, but she had a, she had to leave early because she had to go uh, to to work after having dinner with us, and so I got a little bit. <laughs> I got to make uh, dinner for my niece. It's her 18th birthday this week. And okay. So she's coming over on the weekend and I got to make something for her and her boyfriend. And uh, I'm nervous about that too. I'm making uh, making <laughs> yeah. a chicken. Okay. Making a chicken and we're uh, doing a tzatziki marinade like a day in advance and then making it. And she likes potatoes, she's told me. So I'm making her something with potatoes. Got to build on everything else from there. Nice. Yeah. Nice. It was nice as uh, this friend of Mary's ate with us and then... Uh... I guess the next day she asked Mary if she could get the stuffing recipe. So oh, nice. Another convert to my stuffing recipe. Excellent. Eve made it for her. She had a Friendsgiving the day after our Thanksgiving. So she made uh, stuffing for that as well Eve, for my recipe. So another hit. So I was like, yes. <laughs> yeah. I will convert everyone. What's, uh, what's the secret to your uh, Nothing. Stuffing? It's so simple that if I tell you what it is, you will just be disappointed and not want to make it. The same okay. way the people would come up to me at when we have a church dinner and I make the I make the um, the punch for it. People will come up and they'll be like, "Oh, your punch is delicious. How do you make it?" I'll go, "Oh, it's orange punch, lemonade, and Seven Up with ice." And then they go, "Huh?" and walk away <laughs> disappointed. <laughs> Too simple. Too simple. I loved it until I heard what it was in it. Now, when you say orange punch, where yeah. do you get your orange punch from? Just like a minute, minute made minute orange made? punch. I don't use. I don't like the orange juice because it's too bitter. Yeah. So the orange punch is sweet. Okay. And so it, it helps the punch be sweet, which is what I like things sweet. So it kind of cuts the lemonade, the bitterness of the lemonade a little bit, and then the seven up. Oh, it's just seven up. Yeah. All right. It's very simple but very good. And my 
What's good about my uh, stuffing recipe is that I cook it in the bird and that it is uh, lots of sage. Okay. Parsley and sage, that's all. And salt and pepper. Those are what's what are in it. Plus onions and celery and butter and bread. And I use white bread and I I um, use I do it in a blender or in the food processor and make it very small. Okay. So it's it's not like chunky bits. It's just very small. Uh, it comes out like a big block. <laughs> but it's good it's really good nice so yeah and i also had to give some of my pumpkin recipe as well what's your you mean pumpkin pie yeah it's nothing fancy it's just out of betty crocker but i didn't say that because i've learned my lesson now that if you just say oh it's out of betty crocker everyone goes "Ugh, who cares so i just i hand wrote it out and sent it to her so it looked like it was all authentic you know? oh so it's not a betty crocker mix it's from the betty crocker cookbook yes yes that's what i use i find other recipe like uh, there's another book i have called Cooking in Color, and it has a great fettuccine Alfredo recipe in there. So good. But I find, like, the pie recipes are a little too fancy. Like, there's a, too much stuff in them. And I don't like that. I like, like, a very basic pie recipe. Like, I don't add anything extra, except for pumpkin pie, which calls for a lot of, you know, autumnal spices and stuff yeah. like that. Which, But, yeah, like, like it, when, I, when I make, um, like, blueberry and stuff like that, it's often, like, add lemon or put butter on it or put cinnamon. I'm just like, ugh, get that stuff out of here. What do you want? This is blueberries. What Do you want anything more than sugar and blueberries? I no. liked uh, when David Letterman was on Strike Force 5, the podcast. Yeah. He was talking about his mom's cookbook and saying, yeah, and uh, quite a few of those recipes were straight out of Betty Crocker. <laughs> yeah. We just kept waiting for the phone call. It never came. <laughs> but even Betty Crocker, they just took theirs from other sources sure. as well. Like it's not like most of these recipes are very simple, you know. And sometimes Betty Crocker doesn't come through every time, but but quite often, like especially when the girls were younger and I had no idea what how, what, how to cook, you know, that was like a very helpful, uh, very helpful book. Because it's not just like recipes, but also just like simple things like how to prepare green beans. How, okay. How to cook a potato. How long do you boil a potato for? How do you make scalloped potatoes? Just things like that. Like, I never, you know, I didn't know those things. So, yeah. I got to learn how to make scalloped potatoes. Real they're simple. my favorite. They're my favorite thing, and uh, I've just never gone around to learn. What I like is I found a recipe for cheesy scalloped potatoes. That's the one I like to use. Oh, okay. So you add cheese to it. It's not just the milk and, and uh, onions of uh, regular scalloped potatoes. But you add cheese to it as well, just for that Mwah, cheese. Please send me the recipe. Because you feel like... In your mind, scalloped potatoes always comes with cheese, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. No, it doesn't. Like a real scalloped potato is just like some milk and, and or cream yeah. and onions and stuff, and then you just layer it and cook it. But yeah, please send me the recipe because I think what I'm going to do, because my niece asked, you said, uh, I love potatoes. I'm like, I'm going to get uh, two types of potatoes. Okay. So I'll do a scallop and I'll do sure. something else. I'll send that to you. Yeah. Also, remind me when the show's over and I'll just send it right away because it's probably in my, it's probably in my, my uh, bookmarks on my phone. Yep. Now I got a book of mostly potato recipes, but I've never, I've never learned scalloped potatoes. That is one of those things. I think it's because uh, I'm a little worried about mandolins, and I'm like, I should do okay. it on a mandolin. Yeah, yeah. But you could have like this. There's a safe ones that have the little. Oh, sure, sure, sure. It's not a safety s- thing. Sliding just, thing. For some reason, just in, it's one of those things that's in my head. It's just like mm. mandolins are not as safe as you. That's <laughs> nah, fine. I've got, I've got like yeah. knife-proof gloves. I've got things. I've got protection. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, all right. sure, sure. Knife-proof gloves. Oh, that's interesting. So are they like chain mail? Uh, no, they're not chain mail, but oh, okay. they are, unless you're like really put the effort in. Yeah. Really <laughs> give her. I'm going to test these. You're not going to nick your, your hands yeah, on it. Yeah, yeah. So, you oh, know, I still good. do the claw and what mm. have you, but it's like, just in case. Yeah. There you are. I got, a, my, I got enough uncle's missing fingers. My work's where I get my more dangerous. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I saw that you had a little bit of a slice on your arm. Yeah, are you okay? Yeah. No, it's fine. Yeah, just the weather strip is always a danger. And I always 
whenever we have a tool meeting, toolbox meeting, where we talk about safety and I always stress to people. You always skip it and just go so long. I'm fine. I'll be fine. Ah! No, I always... uh, Shake hands with danger. I always say, please push the weather strip back into the box if it comes out when you're pulling weather strip because it's often at eye level. Yeah. And we don't want anyone to lose an eye or cut their face. And and even just at arm level, it's dangerous. And that's what happened to me. Yeah, I'm sorry. I yeah, was working around it and someone had left some out of a box. feels like your safety meetings are just you taking off your shirt and showing your scars. <laughs> that's right. Jaws style. Guys, please be safe. Or whatever that, uh, I'm going to say, second Lethal Weapon movie. That was also uh, that scene. That was uh, Rene Russo and, uh, and Mel Gibson. That would be three, I think. Well, very good then. All right. I don't think she's in because the second one is with the diplomatic community. I don't think she's That's in that one. That's not her? So she's in the one that introduces uh, Joe Pesci. I think so, yes. Okay. And then four is Chris Rock. All of them. It's everybody. And then is there a fifth one? No. Which one is Jet Li? Four. Jet Li is both Chris Rock and? Yeah. He's and- lost in that movie. Oh my god! It's such a, it sucks because you're like, oh, Jet Li's in this film. This would be awesome, and it's just like a, it's like he's hardly in it at all because all the movies are like Rene Russo and Mel Gibson are planning their wedding or whatever is going on in that mm. thing, and then Danny Glover's finally retiring, and Which Joe one Pesci is is, is, uh, is Glover on the toilet that's going to explode. That's a good question. I don't know. Three or four. Which is the is the first one the one where he uses the nail gun to kill the guy? I because they're building, sure. they're working in their house, or is that the second one? <laughs> These are good questions. Yeah, I don't remember. Once again, all I remember from the fourth one is this is too much comedy relief. Oh yeah, that's that's how I felt too. And I mean, I went to see that. Like I, originally, Mel Gibson was the comedy relief. Yeah, but by the time you and get now, to everyone's the talking film, like this. Yeah. They're all, hey, what's going on? What's going on? <laughs> like, all right, everyone, calm the frick down. <laughs> well, the problem was is the second film kind of changed its tone because it's the one with Joss Joss Acklin or whatever his name is who plays the South African guy with his diplomatic immunity which is when you watch that movie the first time you're like your head's I've only seen it once actually but your head's like exploding with frustration at this whole diplomatic immunity garbage diplomatic immunity just kill the guy but uh, yeah I don't think Rene Russo's in that one I mean I could be wrong but I don't think so I think she's introduced in the third one these are good questions I think that's where the tone kind of changed more towards like more a little more broad but what's funny is I was watching a movie and which film was it where the character was talking about the police character was talking about retiring soon. Like, you know, he's like, and he's saying, kept saying, I'm too old for this shit. And I was like, oh, this is obviously what Shane Black watched. And then he turned it into um, Lethal Weapon or part of Lethal Weapon. Looking at two or one? I'm looking at two. And oh, okay. Joe Pesci is in two. Oh, okay. But Rene Russo is not in two. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, so, so Pesci just showed up. In that he, one. he showed up earlier in that one. Yeah. Thought. Yeah. I thought he was in three. But I guess, yeah. Yeah. They must have built in the. But they built oh. in the character so much that yeah, it's yeah. boring. Shane Black wrote the story. Hmm. But not the screenplay. Uh, no. Uh, Jeffrey Bohm uh, did the screenplay. But it, and okay. again, based on characters by Shane Black. Yeah. So I don't know if he. Yeah. Had, yeah. Um, yeah. I guess he said, here's, here's, the, here's what I want you to do in the next movie, Jeff. I just want you. Here, I'm going to give you one phrase, and I want you to use it as much as possible. Diplomatic immunity. <laughs> oh, that's the show. What was it? Oh, listen, I was watching a show the other day, and then and then um, the next night, I was like, oh, let's watch some TV. And I always have to try and like find mystery shows for Lisa to watch, because she doesn't really like anything else. And so we were watching this show that was based in South Africa, okay. and it had a character who apparently was on Outlander. I don't know what that show is, but... yeah. It mentioned her in the thingy as being part of Outlander. Time travel. To, oh, time I, I know travel. some people that really I like know that. the one you're talking about now. Yeah, or sexy time about. travel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, she wasn't like a major character in it, but she, but she's in this show as like 
And she was, she's like a cook. Oh, you might like it because she does a lot of cooking in the show. Okay. Because she's like, she in the beginning of the show, anyway, the beginning of the show, because she's uh, the recipe person for this, uh, the local newspaper. But then she gets fired from that position and because she becomes the the aunt, the auntie, you know, the like the, the kind of uh, advice person, the advice column. Oh, agony aunt. Agony aunt, yeah. It would be funny when you were saying she's an auntie. I'm just like, it would be funny if someone was the anti-hero, but she's an aunt, like yeah. an older aunt, but mm. she's also the hero. You just call the thing anti-hero. But in, in the show, they call her like, they call her, because they, they speak Afrikaans as well as English during the show. So there's, it kind of goes between the two. And so they call her like Tana or whatever, Tana something or other. So I guess like Taunt in yeah. French, French is, French is aunt. Taunt, yeah. So I guess Tana is like a, a Dutch derivative or a, a Afrikaans, since Afrikaans comes from Dutch, obviously, and um yeah anyway it was it was an interesting show but the next night i couldn't remember what show we've been watching that we'd enjoyed it and so i i i didn't couldn't find it so i'll have to think of that remember that dave remember show i can't remember what it's called or anything but something to do with a cook anyway it doesn't matter um yeah because lisa i've been really i've only watched a couple so far but i'm enjoying watching these hell hartley films that are on uh criterion channel right now do, oh. do you know Hell Hartley? No, I uh, know the name. Yeah, because he was like a 90s independent director. And oh, I, okay, yes. I've seen the display for it like on the... Yeah, I watched I watched Amateur back in the in the day, but I've never seen any of his other ones. And so I was watching his first two films, the I think The Unbearable Truth, and the other one's called Trust. And the first one stars a guy that you're watching the whole time. You're like, I know this actor. I know this actor. I know this guy. He's so familiar. So I finally had to look him up. And I was looking him up and I'm going like, I don't know any of these movies. How do I know this person? He was on uh, Law and Order SVU, okay. I think, or one of those shows. Sure. As a, and maybe I recognize him from there because Lisa used to watch it. And so I, through osmosis, I'm familiar with Was he like it. a regular on that show? I don't know. Maybe. Okay. Because otherwise I'd just go, well, he's a New York actor. Yeah. Yeah. Like that could be. Yeah. That could be too, Broadway right? Broadway actor. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so, and then there was a an actress in the shows. Her name was Adrian Sherman, I think. And just really like cute actress. She usually plays like in both both movies. She plays um, like a high schooler having a, uh, a relationship with an older man, like not a super old man, but just a, like a guy yeah. who's in his twenties and not not, a, not. But in the second film, Trust, it's Martin Donovan who's in it. Who um, when he's also an amateur, and in in those films he's a very handsome fellow. But later on, his face kind of filled out, and and he became sort of he played like more. He plays. Um, if you have a movie and you want a guy who's kind of like a government agent, who's kind of like older and a bit, maybe yeah. he's corrupt or maybe he's just kind of like, uh, kind of, um, what's the word? Sort of, um, uh, you know, I can't even think of the word now, but just, you know, tired of the po- politics of the job or whatever, you know, like just, you know, the I, jaded, jaded. There you go. That's a good word. Uh, yeah. He kind of, he's in tenant. He plays the guy who, 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 um, hires, uh, David Wash, whatever is John David Washington's character okay. in the film, you know. So this is an, he's an older guy now, but anyway, so he's in a lot of the early Hell Hartley films. But I was watching, I was just thinking, like, I was watching this movie, and I was thinking, boy, I sure love this era of movie. Like just when there's kind of goofy, somewhat comedic, kind of like he's sort of like the working. Cl- he filmed on he filmed on Long Island, so it's kind of like a working class version of a Whit Stillman film in a way. Like oh, it, nice. it's kind of preposterous, but at the same time, kind of funny. And, you know, it's just like in the trust, the Martin Donovan character is this guy who like he he's like a brilliant guy at fixing like TVs or computers and stuff like that. But everyone's scared of him because he has such a violent uh, temper, you know, and and 
and then he meets this girl played by Adrian Sherman, who uh, she, in the movie she's supposed to be like a seventeen-year-old, though she was my she was born the same year as me, so she would have been like twenty-four when this movie was made. But it's supposed to be like a seventeen-year-old high school girl who's like discovered she's pregnant, and her boyfriend will have nothing to do with her, and so and then her family uh, she gets in a fight with her dad who dies of a heart attack right after they have this fight, and so she's been cast out by her family. And so she's just kind of out in the world in this Martin Donovan kind of kind of uh, like, you know, starts looking after her, and and then they start a relationship. And it was it was a really good film. It was really good. It was just quirky and weird, right? Because it's just, so. What would okay? So uh, the Hal Hartley collection. Uh, what do I start with? What's my what's my starter movie? Oh. Or what's the starter movie you'd recommend for the folks out there? Who are... uh, oh, I think Amateur is really good. Which, okay. which he plays like a criminal who has amnesia and he can't remember who he is, and so he kind of gets adopted by people, and that has. Um, it has uh, Martin Donovan. It has uh, the French actress um, whose name is not going out of my head. Oh my gosh, how could I not remember her? She's in so much stuff nowadays. Even still, still she keeps on acting. But anyway, I can't remember her name. Um, I'm writing this down. Yeah, not, not her name because you don't know it. But uh, yeah, yeah. But it's good. It's a good film. Um, and then even like the first two, I think, are charming, charming little films that are kind of awkward because they're like someone's first movies, but. Uh, but they're still good. Like, and the act, there's actors that, and uh, Edie Fulco is in both both those films as well. Oh, neat! Early on, uh, never in a big role, but uh, but having fun and yeah, it's like obviously. He, and Parker Posey's an amateur. She has a little role in that film. So he kind of gathered around act, actors and actresses that that would kind of make a little company for him that he could rely on. Unfortunately, Adrian Sherman was killed uh, quite at quite a young age by a construction worker working in the bu- the building she lived oh, in with her, so her husband. And she'd just done like a, a film that had done really well at um, Sundance. Oh, boo. Uh, called Waitress that she'd written. And yeah, it's unfortunate. She's a, and like I say, she's a real cutie in those movies and you watch those and you're just like, oh, it's sad that she... All right, I'll definitely uh, check that out. I don't know why, but when you were saying Hal Hartley, I was thinking, is that is that who did the uh, Archie cartoon? I feel like... Hal... Yeah. It was like L. Hartley. Al Hartley, okay, yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, it's funny that, yeah. A different person, yeah. He does, these have no religious with so. the uh, rotating uh, circular uh, credit of uh, Archie things, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's interesting. And apparently, he also did the music for some of his films under the pseudonym Ned Rifle, okay. And which is weird because in the in Trust, there's a the, uh, the Martin Donovan character reads all these philosophical tomes, he's got all these books piled around his bed, and, and one of them is uh, The Fundamentals of Existence by Ned Rifle. So I thought it was kind of funny, so. So early on, he obviously decided on that as a as a as a name, and then later on took it for his his. Uh, here's a here's a nom weird, de tune. Here's a weird question that you won't know the answer sure, to. Sure, ask away. Uh, so Ian Fleming named James Bond after someone who wrote a book on was it botany? Uh, birds, birds, yeah, uh, ornithology. Yeah. Uh, so uh, did the James Bond, who was the bird guy, ever uh, read James Bond the uh, spy <laughs> and go, hey? Like, was there ever any response from, were they alive at the time, or was it an old book from an author who had since... Uh, no, I think he was still alive. I think I think he was, like, I think the book was actually even, like, Birds of, like, Jamaica or wherever, because Ian Fleming moved and lived in, like, Goldeneye was his estate yeah. in, I think, Bermuda. And I think that the book was, like, written by a guy who lived in Bermuda, and it was writing about birds and that. Yeah, just curious if there was ever a reaction from the yeah. original James Bond on that. Sure. I'm, I doubt it's, like, the only person in the world named James Bond. But because the story is yeah. definitely known that he named him after. Yeah, yeah. This, yeah. You know, he might have been. That was the, maybe he was uh, flattered. Hmm. Maybe he hey, wasn't you know flattered. what? We've talked long enough to have uh, had a third comment appear on our site. <laughs> That's our trick. It's like we keep yapping 
and uh, and, uh, and there we go. All and right, then well, all of a sudden, Liam will uh, say something. Uh, so, so we I'm, clumsily uh, switch over, like... Sure. Ah! <laughs> there we go. Done. Let's scare the I cat. Over. Let's scare the cat upstairs. Yeah, get him. Yeah, we got a cat upstairs that's been hiding for the better part of a day. Uh, Oh, boy, cats are good at hiding. Holy cow, are they good. Hmm. So good. They really make you feel like you got to clean your place, too. I have emails to read, too. Well, I'm I'm glad. Well, let me tell you, first of all, though, what our questions were last Mm -hmm. week. Uh, What's your feeling about flashbacks in media? Hmm. And have you ever been a member of or had a near miss with a cult? Hmm. Two radically different questions. I just want to point out, I got blood in my pants from my cut. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oops. Do you need a bandage or anything like that? Oh, no, no. It's fine. Are you bleeding right now? No, no. It's, it's, I think it's just still weeping a little bit. Okay. But I want it to have air. so it. Okay, well, eat as many over. Sour Patch Kids as you can. I think that's good. Maybe I'll just slap Pour on a little uh, Coke on I'll there, s- a little uh, sour. A little yeah. sour. <laughs> a little sugar in the wound. <laughs> yeah, sour things in wounds are good. Like oh, yeah. lemon on a wound is doesn't, a good thing. doesn't hurt at all. No, it's nice. Edward Dragansky writes. Okay. How many times in my life have I said that now? Four? Four? Yeah. Well, I thought it was more than that, but okay. Just estimating. Uh, greetings to all you guys and all the sneakers uh, out there. Hello, uh, Ed. Without sounding too pitiful, it's been a rough month for me. Oh. But thing, I'm sorry to hear that, but mm-hmm. things are looking up for October. Last month, we lost our cat, Charlie, to what was either pancreatitis or cancer in the intestines. She spiraled down so fast, we had to say goodbye to her. We're now in a catless home, and I miss her terribly. I thought about how Ian mentioned uh, we take the pain so that our pets can have the release from it, and that helped me. I wouldn't, uh, I couldn't watch Charlie go through that another day, and I helped her go painlessly and with dignity. Well, my heart really goes out to you on that. Uh, I'm still, uh, I'm still in mourning for my first cat, Charlie, as well. That uh, had the same name as yours. Um, but yeah, as you know, we recently had to let uh, Cohen go as well, and. Yeah, they're part of your life, and it's uh, it's so it's so very very hard. And uh, all the love from our family to yours uh, on that. Uh, anything from you? <laughs> oh, just I Dave says you. he doesn't like cats and doesn't care. <laughs> I love cats, you know. Nope, nope, cat. doesn't cat. He's uh, he's a dog guy. <laughs> I'm a dog guy all through through and through. No, no, it's obviously we've talked about it many times in the show. Yeah. It's better to it's better to have known them. It's better to have loved. It's better to have loved loved. and lost than meow, 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 meow. (laughs) Meow, meow. Exactly. Okay. Well, yeah. Sending all the good thoughts to you. And uh, I'm glad you and Charlie had the time together that you did and that you found yourself in this crazy world. I'm sorry. Sorry it had to come to an end, but that's just the unfortunate part of having pets. Unless you buy a bird at this age. In which case they live. Yeah. Yeah. Then you have the problem of trying to get someone to take care of them. And try to get them not to eat you when you die. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't get a buzzard. I think, okay. Uh, All the talk about work and meetings uh, a few shows back couldn't have been more timely. I wish I had the time to write in about it. My boss was fired along with a few others who walked out, making it unbearable at the office. We're still trying to come up for air. We're so busy. And not good busy. Stupid busy. I've known and worked uh, with my boss on and off for 40 years. And it was a blow to our team, but he's also a good friend. Uh, Another member of our creative team left before him. And they've hired one of the most uh, incompetent employees I've ever worked with. Uh, I'm doing uh, the work of three people now, and it's madness. Thank God I know what I'm doing. Uh, For all that, I've been given a very healthy raise, so it's not going unnoticed, and I'm being paid for it. 
for some reason, when you mentioned that employee, I just pictured Jerry Lewis working in the office with you. <laughs> just coming in. I will pay. That's my Jerry Lewis. Pretty great, eh? Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it was de- dead on. <laughs> it was either Jerry Lewis or a deflating balloon. <laughs> <laughs> well, sorry to hear that. That was my Jimmy Durante as a deflating balloon. I am, I am more than... At work right now, I'm more than used to in, incompetent employees. It seems like that's a, all that's available. So yeah, Me too, and I'm self-employed. That was a deflating Groucho Marx balloon. <laughs> all right. I uh, also took this entire week off, which has given me time to unwind a bit. And write you uh, all, all the for the first time in a while. Yeah. I also wanted to give you guys a break from reading my epic responses uh, for a change. I know it's overwhelming. It is not. It is fine. Yeah. I'm trained for this. I trained. Yeah. Uh, I I trained to read Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, I can read your. Uh, he, he, he can bench press forty pounds with his tongue. <laughs> uh, flat, all the dirty jokes just got put away. <laughs> I started the show by saying uh, the F word, and so I want to want to end on a nice, nice no, note. Instead. We don't, don't uh, want to fuck it up. All right, now on the topic. Yeah, flashbacks. Oh, how well they can be a good storytelling device. I think Dave said he never watched Lost. They made uh, flashbacks such an engine to the character stories in the show. I like the way uh, they handled it, uh, one character at a time per episode, and built on each character's story, letting their overlap theirs overlap with the other characters uh, very carefully. It was almost like a comic series the way they did it, kind of reminiscent of Watchmen comics. I agree. I agree with that. Hey, what comic book uh, showed up in the uh, TV show Lost? What's that you said? Why the Last Man? You're correct. Did. <laughs> um, never been near a cult or anything like it, but I heard Ian mentioned the forum. Maybe you could elaborate on that for me, please. Uh, I did have a creative uh, director, Dr. Pepper, way back in the mid-90s who was in the forum. At least that's what she called it. Uh, yeah, it was like, is the Foundation Forum? Was that the full name of it? Something yeah. like that. Uh, all of us uh, from work were invited to her home for a party, and all these forum folks were there too. <laughs> They're all very nice uh, enough and very outgoing to us from the office. Things got pretty crazy, and before I knew it, they were naked and jumping in the hot tub. Like I said, they were really outgoing. It was quite the party. <laughs> she wasn't the creative director for much longer after that, but we never heard from her again. And no, I didn't get naked in the hot tub. I just made out with our office manager. Okay, here's what you were a part of uh, there, if you if you want to know. Um, that was part of uh, the thing. First of all, uh, you may not have heard of the forum, but I bet you've heard of uh, Est. Yes. Was it Est? Was it Est? Called? That's right. Yeah, it was. It was, a, it was that a, was the previous incarnation it was a, of it. Yeah, it was an offshoot of Est. Was it Eckhart? Was it Werner Erhart? Erhart, Werner yeah. Erhart, and yeah, that was a self-help thing. And famously, uh, you couldn't pee during those uh, those uh, sessions that you were going through. It's all about control. It was for all those about people. control, and uh, then that got a little bit of a bad name, so uh, it rebranded as as the forum. I think it was Foundation Forum. Something it was something F Forum. Fantastic Forum. No, it wasn't that. <laughs> uh, met at the Baxter Building. Yeah. Um, the Fab Forum. But what you were part of there was mm-hmm. part of sort of what uh, I got uh, part of as well. I also didn't get in the hot tub. Uh, no, a woman approached me on uh, the SkyTrain, which is our subway, and was very flirty with me and was talking about uh, you know sexy things. And it was almost like... She was interested in me on that level and wanted me to come to this meeting. And uh, what that is called is flirty fishing. Uh, 
Okay. And it's, uh, yeah, you, uh, you are much more susceptible to buy things uh, if, if there is a sort of sexual component sure. and you're feeling if good you're about yourself. Your and also, you don't say no when you're naked. <laughs> At least not to, yeah. uh, you know, think money things for the yeah, most yeah. part. Yeah. <laughs> you're in a kind of a vulnerable position and uh, maybe you're going to be having some shenanigans. And yeah. uh, they were not beyond that. That's something that they do and other... I'm sa- I'm calling it a cult. Uh, you know, that's just my opinion. That's just a thought. That is not a legally binding thing that I'm saying. <laughs> In fact, who am I? Maybe it's Dave talking right now. Maybe it's it, <laughs> it does fall. It does fall under kind of culty. Uh, yeah, but flirty elements. fishing is a is a thing that cults do, as they will lure you in with mm-hmm. kind of sexy uh, things and promises of uh, <laughs> good times. Yeah. and uh, if, if you go into this meeting with me, that's right. And so and, Ian then dragged me to the meeting. Yeah, that's right. And uh, and Dave and I made out. <laughs> so that's pretty flirty. Yeah. Uh, continuing on, uh, I'm siding one thousand percent with Ian on Avatar. Oh, that sounds good. <laughs> it's definitely not discussed in the same circles and in the same way as its genre siblings. Yeah. If there's any following to Avatar, it's an incredibly niche one, and I don't really hear anyone looking at its past or where it's going at it with any nerdy curiosity and interest. Sounding like a Dedrick Echo, I saw the first one in the theater way back, and that was enough for me. I still haven't watched the second one. It's a fun anecdote to say that uh, some franchises just don't have great marketing or a licensing plan. A few years back, we learned from Amazon that they bought the rights to the series The Expanse from Sci-Fi. There was zero licensing or merchandising to go along with it. We pitched ideas to remedy that with Amazon and made the incredible fan-funded collectibles for the Expanse fans. It was like shooting fish in a barrel. Three seasons in, and the fans finally got exactly what they wanted for Expanse collectibles after a massive poll and some crowdfunding. I guess the timing uh, was right, but there was an enormous fan base just waiting that neither we nor Amazon knew existed outside of just watching the series. I, again, I mentioned Why the Last Man because my wife is co-creator of it uh, earlier earlier on. Uh, but that was something that, like, you know, we'd be at cons and the head of uh, DC Comics' Vertigo line would go, Hey, anyone want Why the Last Man uh, merchandise and toys? And people go, yeah, and uh, they never did nothing. <laughs> Ever. Nothing. Not a, not a damn thing. It That's was just bad. like uh, money on the table. People want it. Money on the table right yeah. here. And there was a lot more weird, you know, obscure things, you know, in the land of Funko and whatnot. And it's like, nope, never, nothing. It's just very strange. strange. Yeah, I just think this is a carry, this is meant meant to carry on the Avatar discussion, which I just I really do think that you know it's just it's too popular. You know, the thing that made Star Trek a a very popular niche thing was that it was a failed show that garnered attention from people over time because it went on to be a, a show that was popular in reruns and kind of found this audience. But at the same time, it was something that was theirs. It was something that no one else knew about. You know, it was their thing that they could have and, and watch and talk about with their friends. Right. Most normal people didn't watch it. They didn't watch it in, in reruns and things like that. Most people didn't watch Twilight Zone and stuff. That was not what regular people were doing in those days, you know. Something like Avatar, though, like everyone's seen it. Okay, it's but made, everyone saw Star Wars as well. But Star Wars came and went. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't it wasn't on television very much. We've talked about that, right? How little it was shown and stuff like that. Well, so as a fan of that, you were kind okay. of also part of a small. Okay, but it was okay. Here's the thing, though. 
So Star Wars, you're right. The actual movie, it wasn't on, on television. Yeah. But, you know, uh, here's Richard Pryor show doing Star Wars. Here's the Donnie and Osmond show. Yeah, but that's at, at, at that exact time, Wars. not later here's, on. Yeah, here's the Muppets doing at Star that exact Wars. time i know but i'm just i can keep listing yeah yeah tv shows that like all reference sure, sure solidly but it was it was very popular but it was once again it was niche popular like it wasn't popular with my star parents. wars it wasn't popular with my parents generation well it was the number like, one movie of the year yeah yeah but my parents didn't go to see it doesn't matter it was still and the number one parents movie didn't of the year. go to see it doesn't my, matter it was still the number so one movie it was, of the year it was a generational thing that that generation had you know as their thing but it's not a niche if it's the number one movie of the year if it's, it's the most popular movie of the yeah, year yeah. it's not niche Sure, sure. Yeah, sure, sure. What you're saying? Yes, it is. No, no. You I'm can just be saying, the most popular thing. It can be. Niche. I'm just saying though that was it still popular like in the 90s? The people Star still Wars carry on about it. I'm not talking about as a niche thing. I'm talking about the general population, like your you normal people that you would meet in the street and stuff like that. Were they have an opinion about, on Star Wars? Would they all be talking about Star Wars? I don't think so. This was the same way they feel about Star Trek at that time. Eh. You think of the 90s people didn't care about. Star, Star, uh, sorry, Star, Star Wars. Yeah, I think it was this. You know, it's a movie that came out a long time ago. Eh. When did uh, Jedi come out? Eighty four. Eighty four. Yeah. Oh, sorry. It was eighty. What's eighty four? Yeah, eighty four. Okay. Yeah. Eighty four. So you're talking in the nineties. Uh, people are all over Star Wars, and then there's no Star Wars toys in the stores, and people aren't dressing up like Star Wars for. Well, there's for still Halloween. there's still toys and stuff like that, but it's still I it's feel like it a was niche. Still a, uh, it's a, uh, it was enough of a phenomenon that. When, you know, Phantom Menace was coming out in uh, 99 or, yeah. you know, what have you, people were losing their damn minds. A certain part of the population was losing their damn minds, yeah. The yeah. the mainstream part. It, it was the number one movie again. You know, it was it was the yeah, yeah. movie. But, I mean, there's a difference between... When you're saying, like, again, like it's... But there's a difference between people who are Star Wars fans and people who go see movies. Right. right? People this, who go see this, the movie aren't necessarily Star Wars fans. They're just going to see a popular movie. Right. Right? There's a difference there. The difference between, like, people who go to see that movie. Like, my brother mm-hmm. went and saw that movie. He went and saw Star Wars. Well, if Star Wars, Wars isn't, isn't... He doesn't own any Star Wars if merchandise. Star, okay, but then what movie would you count as one that's broken into the mainstream to the point where people discuss it, like, constantly? Like, if it's not Star Wars, what film? Because that's it. Yeah. That's the number one one. So if that's not it, then there's nothing. Yeah. Then it's not even a discussion. But and there's no point in but talking it's still, about it. But it's still something that's like, has a niche... Part it's not, element it, to it's it, right? a niche, but it's the only thing. It's the number one thing. But it's not number one. Like, what do yeah, you mean, is. like number one? Like number one, what movie to be that, discussed that people by talk people? About. Yes, number one movie to be okay. discussed by people. Are you talking about people that you know or everyone everywhere? everywhere? No. Yes. No. Name another movie that's more discussed than Star Wars. Godfather. No. I mean, Gone with the Wind. Depends when you're. It depends what era we're talking about. Well, I guess. yeah, before Star Wars existed, yeah, you're yeah, correct. Yeah. But I mean, in modern sure, times, sure. no, no, I, I agree with in you. In your lifetime, I agree with you. What is a more discussed still... movie by the world? Yeah, yeah. Let's just go the world. Sure. I'm. Maybe I'm you can. Seeing... Maybe you can tell me there's some movie in India that I don't know about that has a lead character, and yeah, and, yeah. That, and that character is much more popular than Luke Skywalker. Yeah. That would be a possibility. But you know, in North America, there's yeah, no yeah. more discussed movie. But do you think than people? Do you think like kids in the '90s were thinking about Luke Skywalker? What were they talking about movie-wise? I don't know. Other movies. What Goose, Goosebumps? I have no idea. What whatever popular movies Goosebumps was. was more discussed than Star Wars? I mean, amongst a certain group of people, yeah. No. You think they're all, all kids in love Star movies? Wars? But you think all in kids movies? Lo- you think? Oh, I don't know. Okay, Goosebumps. well, I'm, I'm asking that. you to present your argument. You're yeah, telling yeah. me something which is like yeah, yeah. Star Wars. I just think there's different all, layers. You've said, this. you've said Star Wars sure, is sure. is niche. Yeah, yeah. Which to me is ridiculous because on whatever <laughs> level you yeah, want, yeah. 
Is it is it niche uh, as a movie? Of course not. It's no, no, I don't mean it like movie. that. I don't mean is like that. Is it niche as uh, as merchandise? No, it was the most merchandised I never, film ever. I never. Had uh, any, is it but, niche? Yeah. What's that? I never had any Star Wars stuff, but that doesn't okay. matter if yeah, you yeah. did or not. Go on, go on. But it's there's no other movie that's sure, more sure, merchandised. Sure. Yeah, I agree with you. I okay. With you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it is the most. I'd say like you know. Uh, yeah, it, it, culturally, I would say it is the movie that is the most saturated in our culture. Yeah. To this day. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, so because and you're saying that I still ni- feel but, like no wait wait yeah, yeah, okay. you're saying that's niche and if you're saying that's <laughs> niche yeah, then yeah. there's nothing then you can't say the number one thing yeah. is niche okay because then there's nothing to discuss okay. because you know it's it's not just a, a tiny thing that we're yeah, not yeah. we're not talking about nothing yeah you know. More people in the world have not seen the movie than have seen the movie. Yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. Probably, but, but, but what's that mean? But I just feel like there's a difference between Give me a number two. There's a difference between someone seeing the movie, yeah. and someone who is a Star Wars theory person or who reads the novels and ha- and and you know what I mean. Like, there's a difference between those people, right? Like, I have watched, I've seen the movies, I watched all the films, I've even watched some of the. The TV shows on. I've watched all the TV shows, but I've some watched right. some of the TV shows on because there was a flashback and you had to turn it off. I had to turn it off, but I didn't finish watching Boba Fett, for instance. I, I refuse to go back in time. <laughs> Click the end. But but yeah, I don't care about any of anything outside of like having watched those films. Like I have no interest in mm-hmm. the toys. I have no interest in watching theories about it. I believe I, that you know, I, I believe so we I feel did like, a fan splainers episode where we talked about all the Star Wars movies. Oh, that's good. Yeah, but we talked so about them as movies. Tell, you, you, we talked about them as movies, though. We didn't theorize about what the next one be, be or what Luke Skywalker did when when he wasn't in the movies. Well, I'm just and saying, when like you're that. saying you don't have theories about it, yeah. we did a podcast about it sure. about all the Star Wars. But movies. yeah, but we're talking so about you them didn't as movies. through that podcast go. I got no take on this. Yeah, yeah. But let me just describe uh, scene for scene what happened. Yeah, no, yeah. You have an opinion, but we talked don't, about them as don't movies. Say you don't have an opinion, but on. we talked about them as movies, not yeah. not as like. What you know what I'm you know what I'm talking about like fan fiction and all the rest of those things that it's like that's that's what I mean by niche like I think that stuff is not in the general not of interest to the general population. I am your father isn't in the general population. It's just not yeah yeah that's but that's a movie. They didn't, but they're not interested. Like it's most part people, of a movie. Most it's people aren't interested in the. People most people movie. aren't interested in the novels. They're not interested in the comics. No, no, you don't they're not have interested. To be. They just watch. You don't the have movie. to care about the Happy Meals. They watch the true. movie, then they walked out. But I'm saying and they never thought about it again. But I'm saying people don't do that at all with Avatar at all. Yeah. Like I'm, we're talking about the one that's the most yeah. in the world in our generation. Sure. All these different things, yeah. and then we're talking about Avatar. And you're going, it's the same. Yeah. It's not even close to the same. No, no, I don't think it's the same. I don't, but I just feel like it's so just it's too a weird popular. Comparison to it, just, make. it just feels like it's, it's too overground for people to like Back get to the behind. Future is a movie that saturated the culture. Yeah. You can make references to it. Sure. You can use it as a philosophical thing. Yeah. You can bring up pop culture things from it. Okay. And people get what you're talking about. You can talk about like someone fading away and they'll go, oh, I get it because you stopped yourself from existing and now you're fading away. Yeah. I get it. I can use that as a joke and people will understand what I'm talking about. They'll get it. They'll understand it. But if I make Does a reference... Does that refer- happen in Back to the Future? Yes. Okay. Uh, quite a bit. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. Okay. That's fine. That's people funny. do okay the general the general like in the first public, film yes the oh. general public yes okay yeah he was he was going back in time and and because he uh did they show so, did they show the present in the movie or is it yes. always in the past no is it does it intercut between the present and the, in the it past? starts and ends in the present but it doesn't show the present during this past sequence like changing yeah no the gimmick is okay 
he holds up a picture that he's got, you know, as you carry a picture of yourself and your siblings. <laughs> you know how people do that? You as a, you, sure. as a teenager, I always have you used wallet. to always had, you used to have a picture of <laughs> you and wallet. your brothers yeah, yeah. all having a, a good time. Yeah, yeah. You, you would carry one of those as a teenager. Yeah, you yeah. know, you would. Yeah, yeah. So, and then you look at it and then your sister disappears and your brother disappears and then you start to fade and you look at your hand and you're starting to fade and it's because you stopped your parents from having sex. Oh, okay. That's what happens in the movie. Okay. 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 And there's also scenes where there's a newspaper and the newspaper says, you know, something like horrible happened. And then when you fix it, it changes back to something good happened. And it's the same picture, okay. you know, da, 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 yeah, yeah. arrested. And yeah. then the same picture, but da, 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 honored, sure. you know, shows up. That's, that's what happens. I can make a reference like that. Yeah. And people will get it. Yeah. Generally, the public will. But if get you made it. an avatar reference, people would be like, that's, you're right. I might be able you're to right. make one about no, no, plugging right. into your if horse. You, if you like, I might walk up to a horse. No, at I wouldn't Pony even Club know what you go, meant. Where do I plug into this? I wouldn't even know what you meant by that. And if you made a reference to the whales in the new movie, I wouldn't even. If you called them by their names, I would have no idea what you meant. But if right. you said Chewbacca's a Wookiee, I think most people would know what that means. Yeah, you're right. No, you're right. Yeah, I think if I went up to Avatar is a weird. It's a weird. If I offered a hundred dollars cool. to people on the street and said, "Name three characters from Avatar, yeah. the most popular movie in the world," uh, you know. Uh, let me know. And then I go like, okay, you can't do that. How about Gone with the Wind? And I'm like, there's your $100. How about Star Wars? There's your $100. How about Back to the Future? There's your $100. Does Back to the Future... People don't really collect Back to the Future stuff, though. They but they have, would know the characters' names. They would know, yeah. 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 But my, I guess my kids would know. They'd never seen the movie, but they would know it from references in Family Guy or whatever. Yeah. They would yep. recognize it. But yeah, no, that's interesting. It's it, You're right. It is weird. Is it because... Have you out-argued yourself? No, I just like Have to argue. I just, I just like to argue. Yeah, so. I understand. <laughs> uh, so We bought at least 20 minutes uh, with this so, um So do you think it's because the movie is so hollow? Like, it's just like a phony movie? Like, like James Cameron obviously means it is like some sort of environmental thing, right? Like, that's the idea of it. Like, corporations are evil. They're destroying the environment. We have to respect the Aboriginal people, whether they're on a blue planet or whether they're here I'm going to be... But Ma- it, Martin Scorsese on this one. Okay. This is me, Martin yeah, yeah. Scorsese. Okay. Got to talk faster. All right. Let me tell you. <laughs> let me fluff up my eyebrows. I think uh, uh, Martin Scorsese's kind of take on Marvel type movies yeah. is, you know, it's not cinema. Yeah. It's a ride. Okay. And people go show up and they get on the ride. Yeah. And it doesn't have an impact on them later. Mm. I feel it does. Mm. I feel there's an emotional component to movies like Star Wars that people can kind of relate to but mm. i think with avatar yeah it is a ride yeah you want to go on the ride it's exciting you put on your 3d glasses wee, and at the <laughs> end of it you're like yeah but i didn't Fine. learn anything no characters had a big pr- twist i didn't put myself in their position and then change my mind on an issue sure. you know uh not a lot of surprises it was just that was beautiful very effective in the things it did the action scenes were exciting that's fine, but I've got nothing to say about it on the way home. Yeah. Like, what do you think? Should they have done that? Should should nature have been protected? Does, are, do, you know, do you think maybe the military does have the right idea and should be listened to at all times? Is it good to take over another planet and take all their resources? Yeah, I wonder. Yeah, but there's nothing to talk about. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's so, it's so, it's such a straw man uh, argument of a movie that there's this, there's no stakes in it. There's no nothing about it where you kind of like, you know, I can kind of see their point of view and their point of view, which who's 
Yeah, you're going home from Terminator 2. You yeah. got something to say. It's just like, when did you did you know that he was going to be a good guy in this one? <laughs> that was really what did you yeah. think? You know, yeah, 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 so on and so forth. Uh, right. Oh, and to, and to wrap it up, uh, there we go. Uh, Edward's thing. Uh, see, I ranted. You ranted. <laughs> did you hear Ian? Holy cow. Sorry, you were the sandwich. We were the filling. And we were. <laughs> Sorry for the long catch up, but hey, I'm off for the entire week. I'm allowed. By the way, last week's show was terrific and it feels good to get uh, all this out here. All good things to you both and the sneakers listening and all good things to you. And again, our sympathies yeah. uh, and empathy with uh, what you're going through. And, uh, and, and there you are. Uh, it, it, it hurts because, you know, high price of love, as Dave has said. Um, our friend, uh, people, speaking of people that we, uh, we care about, uh, Louise is here. There we go. Hi, Louise. Um, uh, I, I agree, she says, that Andor starts off slow, but finally, uh, took off for me by the end of episode three. That was me as well. The writing is aimed at a more mature audience with burning questions about the economic and sociopolitical underpinnings of the Star Wars universe. How did the Rebel Alliance finance its activities? What <laughs> careers were available in the Empire's military-industrial complex? Inquiring minds want to know. Can you get into VCR repair? Uh, <laughs> this matchbook will help you. <laughs> That's me. Uh, in Ashoka, As- Ahsoka, Grand Admiral Thrawn, as uh, played by Lars Mikkelsen, reminded me too much of the blue version of Dr. No. His brother, uh, Mads uh, Mikkelsen, uh, played Le Chiffre in Casino Royale. So maybe that Bond villain vibe runs in the family. Also, he uh, was the one who uh, poked the little, give little extra plans for the Death Star uh, blowing up in uh, Rogue One. There you are. So he's in Star Wars as well. Matt Mickelson? Yep. Was, was he the dad? Of yeah, the, he was the dad. Uh, yeah. Okay. It was like, uh, you know, sneaks the thing. Mm. Uh, the big heist at uh, Toronto Pearson Airport port last spring wasn't just cash mm. two million of it was in banknotes but 20 million was in gold bars Ooh, which means it's even more heisty yeah. if you ask me if i were the rcmp i'd check on the whereabouts of one auric goldfinger <laughs> trying to make the uh trying to get that first name sorry about that seems bond references abound sure a bond a bond too yes. uh, i'm flashing back to attending a service at a relative's cult-like fundamentalist church in the <laughs> 1980s mm. uh <laughs> when radical religions were really radical anyway. uh <laughs> let, let the fog machine all right all right uh the pastor is uh condemning the evils of sinful tv shows like three's company uh flash forward to this week i wonder if there is an afterlife and if so are she and Suzanne Summers now having a conversation about that? Or did they end up in different places? And if so, where? I think that they uh, they are having a discussion about it. And they're finding out that it was a crazy misunderstanding. <laughs> if they'd only just asked a question, you wouldn't have gotten into this big predicament. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Hopefully, uh, John Ritter's also there and he's just tripping over a cloud or something and <laughs> some great stuff in the Classic. background. Classic. I did that yesterday at work. I, uh, tripped? I tripped over a pellet and smashed my face into a pillar. 
And uh, I was just pretending. Oh, good, good. Okay. But the, Again, because you've got a giant wound on your arm. So <laughs> well, that's different. Uh, and then my, uh, the person I was with, I, you know, I did it because I'd never done it in front of him before. So I just did it to startle him. But he looked so concerned. <laughs> but I, I had to like stop, stop the act right away. Yeah. Like normally I do a little bit of, oh, ah, leg rolling on the floor. You know, I really hurt myself. But he looked so like, like absolutely like this old man is not going to die. Right. So I, I had to. Uh, and say, then yeah, t- fine, I'm fine. I was and joking. then today you went in and ripped open your arm and it was just bleeding out. Yeah. And he was like, oh, you. Oh, Where's right. the ketchup packet? <laughs> and you're like, I need a medical. Uh-huh. <laughs> you crazy nut. Dave cried wolf too many times. That's right. Uh, Liam writes, I have an hey, Avatar I'm- 2 poster hanging in my dorm room. <laughs> so I guess I'm in the cult of James Cameron. <laughs> you definitely are in a party of one. There we go. Radical. Nice. <laughs> so... And then in Avatar 3, that's when Rene Russo joins the cast. Hmm. Hey, guess what? Chicken butt. <laughs> we got some. We got an email. We got... Um, the subject line is, add a subject, not maths, please. Okay. It says maths, so we know this is from someone who is not from Canada. Mm-hmm. It's from Jonathan Bampton. Yay! Jonathan writes, hi, Dave. Hi, Ian. Hello, sneakers. Woo! Dave, what has happened to... Dork Shadows. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know whether I missed the segment or not. <laughs> Maybe that's where it went, Jonathan. Its absence has been noted, and you are henceforth, henceforth banished to Newfoundland without a toque, where you have to eat dairy long treats all winter long. Is that a thing in Newfoundland, dairy long treats? I, I don't know. and I've, heard of uh, I've lived in the Maritimes, but not in Newfoundland. Yeah, me neither. I've never uh, kissed the cod or kissed the scrod. <laughs> Uh, I don't know, Dork Shadows. We we kind of had like a hiatus and then... Yeah. Here's, I, what, here's what happened I always with felt that. like it was sort of like an annoying part of the show that no one liked, so I just stopped. I'll, t- I'll tell you what, what actually happened with that was that uh, I went through like some, some health stuff and we kind of trimmed the show down from about three and a half hours to about two hours. Oh, that's right. And I think that was that's what took the, the, the thing of it. And then since that time, I've had to uh, work. I'm working two jobs right now. And so uh, two hours. I don't know how long this one's been. Maybe I'm just being a nut. Uh it's yeah, a, little, a bit longer. Anyway. A bit longer. Yeah. Uh, but two hours is about right before mm. I normally have to get back to work. So yeah. that took the that took the hit. But you know, it might uh, it might come back in the future. You never know. He says, "Hope all is okay. Don't give up, dude." I'm still watching it. I just not 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 talking about it. As someone who reviewed every minute of a movie and now has mixed feelings about a movie <laughs> they used to love, I applaud your de- dedicated endeavor. You're a busy man, though. Hope I have your stamina next decade. Well, Jonathan, two decades, I think. Then he says in bold writing, hmm, what else? Looks down at notes written in text on hand <laughs> as the stereotype of early 90s North American alternative comic goes. I never knew if that was true or hurtful stereotype put on them by jealous club comedians. Oh, that they would be right working from notes all the time or working from a... Uh, it could be. Here was, here was something <laughs> that was a difference between... Uh, British comedians and uh, and North American comedians. Mm. Uh, when I went to w- in North America, yeah, things are written on pads and on uh, and 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 they. When I went to do British stand up comedy, a lot of comics wrote stuff on their hands, uh, senior wenches style, like okay. on their thumbs and on their fingers. Okay, just like so a word they're or holding two? the microphone. Yeah, you can look down, and even though it's like around it, they yeah. can see you can see the the words. Okay, and also you angle it so that the audience can't see that you got sure, writing on there. Sure. And those are your code words. That's a good idea. 
Yeah. Or, or just memorize it. <laughs> or just memorize it. Well, I just always found it... It kind of broke up the act in a way I didn't like when, you know, we used to go to, we talked about going to the prop house before yeah. and a lot of comedians would go there and just do tryout, like tryout yeah. material and stuff like that, which is fine. But a lot of them would like have their phone and they'd look at their phone for a while. And you just felt like it kind of broke up the act and it, you know, and if you want to have like a good act, like don't stop in the middle of it to look at your phone. Like you can glance at it and then continue on without having like a five minute break while you're staring at uh, Instagram. Ian mentioned Avatar last week and this week. True. And how... Despite its initial box office success, it seems to have had little pop cultural resonance. I agree. It is a little odd. Two agrees. I like it. I like this so far. <laughs> Maybe as Mark Commode says, just because a huge amount of people see a film the first time doesn't mean it was popularly received. It would be interesting if they would, re- uh, if they could reliably measure whether people ever watch or engage with an initial money earner a second time. I suppose they could with streaming figures and hard media sales, but they never released those figures. There are a number of examples like this in genres other than sci-fi fantasy. A lot of best pictures included. One that comes to mind is the two orangutan films of Clint Eastwood in late 70s. Huge money earners at the time mm-hmm. and part of the zeitgeist, but previously little talked of, sorry, previously little talk of them now, either fondly or derisively. I suppose the talking to the chair moment is now the go-to association with Clint Eastwood for the younger generation. Are we not going to say the names of the movies? Every Which Way Went Loose and Any Which Way You Can. Yeah. Neither of which I've seen. Mm. If you like an orangutan flipping the bird <laughs> and doing this. <laughs> that's your movie. Uh, yeah. Uh, those <laughs> are your movies. Jerry Lewis impersonation? Yep, that's right. That's Jerry Lewis uh, <laughs> as a deflating balloon. Hmm. He says, hmm, what else? Wish I... I wish I had the great segues of Regis and, and Ian. Ian's ability to tune out distasteful smells is a great one. Mm-hmm. I wish I could apply that to pleasurable smells. For every weekday morning, I wake up and breathe in the wonderful tantalizing smell of jam donuts mm. wafting through the air. We, <laughs> we have an industrial park cafe just down the road. I'm either having a mini stroke daily <laughs> or it's a massive conspiracy because the twice or thrice I've gone in there, they look at my blankly. They look at me blankly. We don't sell jam donuts. <laughs> they just have the standard Bamary breakfast fare of eggs, toasty, croissants, fruit, and the like. So disappointing, but not their fault. And he says, questions. Ian. Yes. If there was a biopic about your life, when they get to the section where you talked your way into CBC Studios to find mm-hmm. an abandoned office mm-hmm. from which to write and pitch jokes, yeah. what soundtrack music would you like to play underneath and he says you can't choose the axel f theme from beverly hills cop or walking on sunshine like they did in the secret of my success mm-hmm. uh oh yeah a yellow the yellow yeah oh yeah. yeah that's a good it, one because it. it also was like era appropriate as well yeah yeah no that's a good that's a good choice. and uh, yeah i'd be like sneaking in with a chick chick once i once i'm like by the guard yeah that's great that's great i love it uh he says great work on getting refreshed my memory up. Loving it. Thanks. Dave, how is the preparation for your pod with your daughters going? Can you give us any teasers or do loose lips squeeze Sneaky Dragon's hips? <laughs> I'm not good at metaphors. That's why I tune in to use guys. Ciao, but not Nikolai. Ciao, Ciao, John from Melbourne, Australia. P.S. Eddie, have you ever been to Melbourne, Florida? If so, what's it like? Have you ever driven east all the way to the Atlantic? Please tell. Oh, I've been to Florida once for a con, and I'm trying to remember what city we were in. I'd have to ask my my wife. So I don't think so. I don't think it was Melbourne, though. Yeah, we, yeah. I think we would have noted that. Would have, would have noted that, indeed, yeah. Uh, right now, Mary is deeply embedded in her studies for 
her final practicum for her teaching degree. Excellent. So she is doing a full-time job as a teacher right now, um, doing lesson plans, teaching the kids, like basically doing everything in the class while the teacher eyeballs her and writes down uh, mean notes about her. Ooh. No, I'm just joking. She's really likes, she likes Mary a lot. So, um, and Mary is born to be a teacher. So she's doing very well, but she's a very... Um, She's a very dedicated student when she, you know, she's very dedicated to what she's doing. So she does not have time right now for my, my foolishness. But very soon, there will be something appearing that Mary and I will be doing. Oh, I swear. Good stuff. And oh, wait, one more email. Sorry. One more email. This one is, uh, this is the subject is, there is an overdue payment under your name. <laughs> Please settle your debts ASAP. Hi. Sadly, there are some bad news that you are about to hear. Oh, no. About, about a few months ago, I've gained a full access to all devices used by you for internet browsing. Uh-oh. Shortly after, I started recording all internet activities done by you. Oh, no, no, no. All your pornography. Below, below <laughs> is the sequence of events of how that happened. Oh, no. Earlier, I purchased from hackers. Oh, no, no. You know hackers are always selling this. Oh, and all our affairs we're having. A unique access to diversified email accounts. Oh, nuts. At the moment, it re- it is really easy to do using internet. Oh, boy. As you can see, I managed to log into your email account without breaking a sweat. Yeah, no kidding. Shit. You didn't log into it. You wrote me an email. But anyway, one week afterwards, I installed a Trojan virus in your operating systems oh, available no. on all devices that you utilize for oh, logging in your email. dear. Oh, no. To be frank, it was somewhat of a very easy task. Oh, he's bragging. What Since a, you were kind he, enough. It could be a woman, too. Yeah, it could be. You don't know. Could Since you were kind person. enough to open some of the links provided oh, in your inbox no, emails. Oh, no, I did do that. I love opening links. I know. You may be thinking now that... Oh. I, you may be thinking now that I'm a genius. Yeah, I do. I think you're a brilliant criminal mastermind. <laughs> with help with that useful software, mm. I am now able to gain access to all the controllers located in your devices. Oh, not my devices. E.g. I use those for you things. For example, video camera. Oh, no. My, ki- my video keyboard. Camera. He's controlling your ki- my keyboard. Oh, I can watch it. Yeah. Microphone. The key. Yeah. And others. Can he do Can he do next week's podcast? <laughs> That'd be nice. <laughs> Since you control like all that, yeah, he does. He controls it all. Like I don't care which one you do. You could do a horse mysteries if you want. Fine, yeah, because Lisa be away. So, as a result, oh, managed to download all your photos, personal data, history of web browsing, and other info to my servers without any problems. Oh no, that's moreover. I now have access to all accounts in your messengers, social networks, emails, contacts list, chat history. You name it. Does he have access to an editing software that can trim this note? You name it. Jesus Christ. Okay, get on with it, Ransom Jack. <laughs> My Trojan virus continues refreshing its signatures in a nonstop manner. Blah, blah, blah. Because it's operated by driver. Oh, my God. Hence, it remains undetected oh. by any antivirus software installed in your PC or device. So, I guess now you finally understand the reason why I could never be caught until this very letter. Are you still Dot, writing? dot, dot. This is amazing. Still writing. During the process. No! What's that? Your personal info compilation. I could not help but notice. I'll give you money to make you stop talking. That you are a big admirer and and regular guest of websites. Yeah. With adult content. Yeah, pornography. Yes. You you endure. Very popular. You endure a lot of pleasure. Wait. (laughs) Yes. Well, you're getting that right. Clearly, he has seen my camera. (laughs) 
<laughs> you endure a lot of pleasure uh-huh. while checking out porn websites. I do play the Chariots watching, of Fire theme song watching when, I, when I'm doing that to, to make it really feel like the endurance. Do, 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 do. <laughs> watching nasty porn movies uh-huh. and reaching. Wait, movies? <laughs> like you think I'm watching movies? Full movies? Yeah, two hours. I've got, well, it is endurance. <laughs> and reaching yeah. breathtaking orgasms. That's the asthma. <laughs> Let me be frank with you. Let me be short with you. <laughs> it was really, being frank means being short. It was really hard. Not, we left Frank behind a long time ago. It was really hard to resist from recording some of those naughty solo scenes with you in main role and compiling them. What is he, Joe, Joe Matt? And compiling them in special videos. That Wait, did your... Joe Matt fake his death and now this is what he's doing? <laughs> oh, expose your masturbation sessions. Uh-huh. Which end with you coming? Jesus Christ. <laughs> Talking about jerking off, it's this fucking letter. <laughs> hey, Holy uh, cow, trim it down, man. You know, at my age, I wouldn't mind people knowing this. In case of in case if you still have doubts, uh-huh. all I need is to click my mouse. And all those <laughs> nasty videos with you will be shared to friends, right. colleagues, and relatives of yours. Okay. Not other people's relatives, just yours. Mm-hmm. Moreover, nothing stops. That's me what f- my relatives want the most. <laughs> Is that? <laughs> Nothing stops me from uploading all that hot content online mm-hmm. so all public can watch it too. Cool. I sincerely hope you would really not prefer that to happen, keeping eh. in mind all the dirty things you like to watch. Well, I'm, you un- certainly I'm union, know what so I mean. any video clips you'd have to pay me for. So <laughs> knock yourself out and you'll be hearing from UBCP. It will completely ruin your reputation. As, have you, do you know my reputation? <laughs> However, do. don't worry. Be happy. There is still it's Bobby way- McFerrin. <laughs> there is still a way to resolve this. You need to carry out a $1,350 USD transfer to my wallet, equivalent amount of bitcoins, mm-hmm. depending on exchange rate at the moment of funds transfer. Okay. Hence, upon receiving the transaction, you know the thing is, if I actually believe this, yeah. When I got when you get to like the the instructions on how to pay, yeah, I would I would be it's all my stuff would be out there. Yeah, be, all my stuff would be out there. Which is fine, really, to be honest with you. Just I, say, you put know. a bunch of money in a paper bag and leave it in Stanley Park. Like, just say that. <laughs> put it in the woods. Leave uh, it in the hollow tree. Like Classic. Yeah. Classic garbage. Okay, here's my question for this week. Question for the week. Have you been scammed? Have you been Have you been legi- legitimately scammed? Yeah, yeah have yeah. you been legitimately scammed in the past? Mm. Uh, and if so, uh, how? Would it count when I was forced at fist point to buy a tomato? Well, he went to Fisties. I mean, <laughs> no, you don't go to Fisties. That's a whole different different place. That's nothing to do with tomatoes. <laughs> nothing to do with tomatoes. Um, no, I was in. I thought I told this story before. Haven't I? I? Was in L.A. I don't know. I was in L.A. Yeah. Lisa and I went down to L.A. Yeah. Went to a used bookstore. Okay. We were walking out. This guy came up to us. Yeah. And he wanted to. He said, "Here, buy this tomato." And I said, "Oh no, I'm fine." He said, "No, no, you're going to buy this tomato." I said, "How much is it?" He said, "It's five dollars." I said, "Okay, here's five dollars." Did you take the tomato? I took the tomato. He gave it to me, so it's a fair exchange. Okay. And it was a worse tomato than you get at White Spot. That's how that's how old that tomato was. Been in someone's palm all day. Yeah, no, it was. Uh, it was basically, you know, he's robbing me, but it, yeah. it was legitimized by him giving me a tomato. Right. Yeah. But he was a big guy, and I had it's no. A Heinz I had no interest in being in going through any sort of. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was, you know, you're in the United States. <laughs> Last thing you want to do is have to go to the hospital because he got beaten up over a tomato. So I. Right. I I paid out. And I'd already and I bought a Philip K. Dick book at the bookstore, which I already owned. So all around, all, all the way around, it was a it was a bad day. So what did you do with the tomato? 
I think I just threw it in the woods, oh, <laughs> the bush or whatever. It was like it was like by a vacant lot, and I just threw it in there. Okay, here's what you do: you take the tomato, yeah. you put it under your shirt, okay, and then you go, uh, you squish it. Oh yeah. And then yeah. you yell to the police, "I've been shot!" And then uh, <laughs> and they point at the guy. <laughs> then they take him down, and while yeah. they're doing that, you run away. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Classic. <laughs> Classic misdirection. It works every time. Yeah. The old tomato under the shirt trick. Yeah. Okay. If you don't have ketchup, next time it happens to me, I'll do that. Yeah, the only time it won't work is if they saw you doing like some shtick the day before, like <laughs> wait, pretended to trip over a pellet. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, "Hey, no, no, oh, no. man who cried wolf." No one believed. So one thing is, uh, you ever been scammed? Uh, you got a secondary question? Let me think now. Do you have a do you have one? Because I, I didn't, I forgot to think of one. While I was sure. Uh, what uh, aside? Okay, so we've sort of decided here that Star Wars was the number one movie that had pop culture saturation yeah sure and mainstream yeah uh what's number two? Oh wow that's a good question so hmm. there you go what's the number two uh, pop culture saturation Would it, uh, could film? it be another george lucas film all right you know it, it's possible yeah that's that would be your take i mean it's yeah, it's, it's yeah pretty... if, you, if you're saying like empire strikes back let's go like no no i don't mean that i know what you're talking about yeah yeah but like uh you know star wars in general like the whole yeah, star, star wars, wars thing yeah. Yeah, yeah what's number what's number two Oh, Star Wars thing. Basically, like, has a, t- a channel dedicated to it. So email us at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. You can go to Facebook. We're there. We still are there. Uh, we're even at X. <laughs> uh, so, uh, at sneaky underscore dragon. That's where we are on there. Uh, we're on Tumblr at uh, sneakydragon.tumblr.com. And uh, also, hey, we got a website, sneakydragon.com. That's where all the cool kids hang out. And uh, where we've got a message board underneath every episode. And you can post not just for present episodes, but past episodes. And uh, have access to every podcast we're doing currently, including Horse Mysteries, including Refresh My Memory. Yeah. Uh, but also past uh, podcasts like Completely Beatles, Full Marks, uh, Totally Tin Tin, Fan Splainers, uh, Sneaky Dragon Listening Party, and much, much more. Hey, you've listened to them already? Listen to them a second time. Do you remember them all? We don't. We don't remember the Monty Python episodes we watched. So, so there you go. Tells you something. Tells you something. Hey, just before we go, sure. I was listening to uh, a little podcast called Fly on the Wall, which I haven't been listening to too much. What's the buzz? Tell me what's happening. But I, I, but Jay Moore was on it. I'm interested in Jay Moore, so I I gave it a listen. I read his book, uh, Gasping for Airtime. Yeah, but I like him because he used to uh, he used to be a guest host on a on a on a sports. Uh, radio show I, I used to listen to and i always liked him on there and he was always very nice to to people that uh i remember people would write in and be insulting to remember he was on ghost whisperer oh, okay all right with i don't know remember the actress's name jennifer uh love hewitt he, there you go and people would write in and be be mean about her oh on, on this show when he was why? on it. why would they be mean to her yeah that's the thing and that's what his thing was he's like hey but I don't know why I get these emails about her. This is a beautiful woman, and it's so nice. Like, what's going on? But it's always like that he would defend her from all these idiots on, on this show. But, but anyway, he was on um, Fly on the Wall, right? I didn't realize that he's married to Jeannie Bus. Uh, I would need you to tell me who that is. She, well, she's the owner of the Lakers, the Los Angeles Lakers. Oh, so uh, yeah, so, he, so he's okay. He's doing fine. So he's doing all right. He's doing all right because he's one of those guys that always was very good in things, but never quite had that big break. No, well, he, you know, he unfortunately did that uh, one little stealing bit uh, on Saturday Night Live. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, that was kind of his scandal was he stole a bit from someone and put it on the show. And that was kind of like, and 
yeah, that kind of tainted things. Yeah, okay, I didn't for, that. for a while. Mm. Yeah, oh, and that yeah. was like one of the big reveals that he uh, made in this book. Again, gasping. Uh, gasping oh, he admitted it in the book. Oh, absolutely. Everyone, okay. everyone knew about it. Yeah. Okay. Here's huh. a. Oh, please continue. Was there something no, else no, about no, that? That's fine. I just, I just thought it was interesting that he kind of, is he landed in? They had a soft landing anyway. Right. Okay. I'm looking at something here without looking at it upside down. Yeah. Uh, can you name the member of uh, the not ready for primetime players? Okay. Who was? Uh, uh, they dropped. He still was in the cast yeah. for the first season. Okay, but they dropped his name from the opening credits uh, after the first episode. Really? Yes. But he, he still was the performed. Old, he was the old guy in the cast. Okay. Do you know who I'm talking about? I it's a don't. Bit of obscure. I don't. Who was this? Who was this? This was George Coe. George Coe. I didn't George even heard of Coe him. George Coe is this actor that I'm showing you right now. He was oh. also in the TV show Archer uh, as the butler. Okay. He's worked consistently yeah, uh, yeah. through the years. Yeah. But yeah, he was in the original uh, cast of Saturday Night Live. He was part of the Ready for Not... not ready the for very Prime first Time episode, players. yeah, he was in the cast with all the other cast. And he did show up throughout the season. Yeah. But they took his name off. Because he wasn't cool. I think it was because he was a little too old. Yeah. I think he was in his 40s. And he, it, was it the, wasn't... he was the... Um, what's his name? Shoot. Uh, there was a piano player who played piano for the Rolling Stones. Who was basically kicked out of the band when they when they when they signed with uh, Andrew Logue Oldham because he was too old. He was like in his thirties, yeah. and the rest of the, and also not really Ian Stewart, and he wasn't like uh, very wasn't like an attractive young guy with you know that didn't have the pop star looks you know skinny body big head that's the pop star looks and uh, yeah he was this big body big head and uh, yeah so he was like yep so long he still. He still was sure. with, in the group. Like, they still, like, they loved him. And he would never, like, you know, he was basically, like, what, whom they, who, part of who they formed around as a group. And he played on the records and stuff like that. And he was, like, the stage manager and did a lot of stuff for them over the years. And was kind of their, their Jiminy Cricket in, in many ways. But, yeah, I just couldn't be seen in pictures with the group, though, because it didn't fit that look. And yeah, this this is just a nice bit of trivia when someone's yeah. asking, like, interesting, who's the shortest uh, live cast member? <laughs> Saturday Night Live, one episode. One episode? George Coe, even yeah. though technically he still was on the show, he's yeah. not credited yeah. for the other episodes. Wow. Yeah. Curious. And you know what? The show is still on the air, so good call, Ditchin Co. <laughs> I guess so. And he did all right. He was fine. Yeah, it's also a funny. One would ever ask you, uh, you know, hey, who's your favorite member of Saturday Night Live? Oh, George Coe. Mm. Solid. Nailed it. One one episode did all he needed to do. Yeah, yeah. Then he was gone. He was gone. That was it. <laughs> That's what you do. In out, just gold. It's fine. I you was, might say like, yeah. you know, those guys that came in like uh, for one season. Mm. You know, Martin Short comes in. You know, Harry Shearer. Yeah, yeah. You know, Billy Crystal. They're all just like one year and out. Sure. One year. Fuck yeah. that. One episode. Bill. You know, uh, George Coe. In out. Done. My favorite cast member was a one year one one, one year and out guy, Albert Brooks. There you go. One year, but one I'm year? saying one show. Yeah, yeah, no, that's pretty impressive. I've, I've done everything I need to do. <laughs> I don't think I don't even feel that way about it. Slap but. your hands together and leave. <laughs> sorry, Joe. Sorry, sorry. What's his name again? George. Sorry, George. You're, George Co. You're back on the. It's back in the bread line. That's right. Sorry, you gotta you gotta like stand in line to get tickets to the show now. <laughs> but I'm in it. Eh, maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. Yeah. I don't see your name on the uh, opening. Yeah. Are you a friend of someone? Uh, it's weird. It's interesting. No, he's just a you know he's a just a good actor. Yeah, he's like in Kramer versus Kramer, huh. and, you know, and others. But also, he's very good in uh, he's very good in the Archer TV show. He was maybe he was that's the why he didn't carry on the show. He just 
thought I could do better doing movies and stuff like I that. I think the problem was he was the old guy. Mm. And it was like, we're going for a youth. <laughs> we're going for youth. Youth yeah. here. We don't, we yeah, don't, yeah. we're not the Carol Burnett show where this, mm. we mm. got to be sure, sure. hip. Makes sense. Yeah. And but make sure everyone gets as much cocaine as possible. <laughs> that's how he's, that George Cole looks like a narc to me. Yeah, that's how you know that they made, that's how you know that they're uh, youthful. Yeah. All right. So please uh, let us know who your Saturday Night Live uh, favorite Saturday Night Live cast member is. <laughs> Short lived cast member. Short lived cast member is. Yeah. Uh, and uh, we will uh, see you again real, real soon. I've been Ian. I've been David. Kenan. And this is Dave as a balloon. <laughs> Keenan Thompson.